listening to Soul Knox Podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Hikara. And this is episode number 101. And this episode uh, is the next episode of the Satanic Cinema series with myself and Joe Salino, which is part of our overall series, Satanism and Spirituality. In part one last month, we covered the basically from the dawn of cinema up to the 1970s. With this episode, we're covering the 80s and 90s, uh, along with a couple things we forgot to mention from the 70s. Um, Then this is part two of three, so there'll be a third part, and the third part will be coming out next month, and that will be the the 2000s, so basically the last 20 years, along with a few things we forgot to mention from the 90s. so, and yeah, then we'll go from there, getting into to April. Um, we'll see what we're going to cover. I think we're going to maybe try to talk about satanic music as a, um, in terms of, you know, the roots, going back to classical music and to, uh, you know, rock music, and then, of course, with black metal and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that should be a pretty, pretty cool topic i figured we already talked about um uh, satanic literature we've talked about satanic cinema um so yeah let's talk about art as or i mean music as well um as i feel like talking about visual art might be a little bit difficult in a podcast context um but uh you know that could be something as well uh down the line we just have to uh but yeah we'll see but anyways, so yes, that's what's coming out this week. Um, so before we get into the episode, I guess we'll go ahead and do the plugs. So I'm part of a gang of podcasters called the Horsemen of the Podcast Apocalypse, which is every other Monday you have Horror Wolf 666 with Brandon Legion. Every Tuesday you have Necrome- or Into the Necrosphere with Jackie Schmidt. Every Wednesday, you have Everything Went Black with Mike Hill. And of course, Mike Hill and I do our uh, podcast collaboration series between Solnox and Everything Went Black called Darkness Weaves, all about the work of Carl Edward Wagner. We're currently working our way through the Kane uh, saga, so to say. And the next episode will be out on Everything Went Black later this month. Um, every Thursday is Necromaniacs with Mike Hill, Mike Scandato, and Jeff Kashid. And then every Friday is, uh, Spitball Media. And then at intermediate times, you have Iblis Manifestations with Cheyenne of Trivax. And then not a horseman, but a, uh, associated podcast. Please check out my Cellium Signal, um, from, with Constantine Tuonohovi, uh, from the Tuonin Porti. And, uh, yeah, please check all, everybody out. Please follow, uh, share, um, rate all of the uh, the podcasts and uh, spread the word. You can follow me at social media at either my name or at Denver Underground Radio. And I'm primarily on Instagram, so that's the primary place to follow me. Um, and uh, yeah, Denver Underground Radio is the online radio station I run. Um, we do shows live every Tuesday and Thursday starting at 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. 10 or 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, you can tune in live at denverundergroundradio.com. And, of course, if you go on the Instagram, you can see all the playlists, um, all the set lists, and you can see all the stuff for the podcast. 
And in the Stories Archive, you can get links to all the Spotify playlists as well. So that's what's up with all that. And then finally, I have a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Podcast. $2 a month, and you get two to four bonus episodes. And also the knowledge that you're helping keeping the lights on here. And, uh, you know, and I appreciate every person who signed, who, have, who has signed up and will be getting a lot more content out there. I just put out one about my top 15 fantasy series. So that sounds interesting to you. You can check that out uh, on the Patreon. So, yeah. So we're going to get into this episode with Joe Salino. Um, and, uh, yeah, as far as what's coming up next... Um, I'm a little behind on recording podcasts, so we're going to probably be keeping to once a week um, until I get more caught up. But the next couple of, two episodes is for sure in the bag that's coming out is a conversation with Void from Nihilus and Gravier, um, all about uh, Demisterus Damsathanas from Mayhem, part of our continuing series of covering our favorite uh, albums. And then um, I also have a uh episode with one of my best friends Anaf Kalam um and we are covering um Catatonia which was uh, one of the bands that we first connected over almost a decade ago and uh yeah Anaf and I have been play- played in a few bands together over the years and collaborated on stuff and um uh it was past past time to get him on the podcast it's been uh we've been meaning to make that happen for a while so um figured it was a great way in this perfect time of the year here in February, my birth month. Uh, quite depressing time of the year, so it's a good time to put on some Catonia, right? Um, but anyways, hope you guys enjoy, and hail Satan.
Welcome back to uh, part two of um, Satanic Cinema. <laughs> we already did part one, which will be out by the time people hear this, right? So now we're doing part two. So in part one, we managed to get to what? To the set three to seventies for the most part. And uh, yeah. we left off as we got into the eighties because as we were going, I was like, there's no way we're going to hit finish it all in one episode it's just too much to talk about so <laughs> it would have had to have been like a five hour episode or something you know <laughs> yeah. i mean i don't think you you and i would be doing the public much fa- much of a favor if we just list movies oh hey i like this movie that movie that movie that movie that movie that movie i want to talk about like you said actual like satanic elements in cinema because it is my favorite genre and then with that being said think try to remember the last movie we talked was it a la carta or i think it was the second and third only movies wasn't it um it was probably a combination of the two i think or three uh i remember we talked about the omen we talked about a la carta uh we talked about the devil's reign yes we did um one movie talk- from the, one movie from the 70s we didn't hit on uh that i want to mention is brought you ever watch Brotherhood of Satan? Yeah, the one with Strother, with Strother Martin, the guy from Colham Luke. I've actually so, yeah. I've been meaning to watch it for a while, but that's a good no. movie. It's uh, it's yeah, it's kind of like a it's very kind of gritty, almost like Sam Peckinpah type of style to it. Like you know, it's right. it's again kind of like how the Devil's Reign, where it's kind of set in the West. Um, but it's very different from the Devil's Reign. Like you know, the Devil's Reign is kind of cartoony in a lot of ways. Yeah, where, which which I like about it. That's not a bad thing. But um, Brotherhood of Satan is like a lot more um, gritty, I guess you could say, and it's really about like this like secret satanic cult that that's running this like old west town, this town in the west. And um, it's been a while since I watched it, but uh, it's pretty good. And I, I recommended it to my friend Mike Hill, you know, from the band Tombs. Uh, I think it was last year or year before, and he actually watched it and he liked it a lot too. So. Um, he agreed with me that it's pretty, pretty gritty, kind of, kind of. Definitely, definitely recommend checking that out. And then there's also Running with the Devil. We didn't mention that one, which is the, um, which is that. Um, uh, so that's a that's a weird movie because it's like it's like uh it's like Smokey and the Bandit meets um some satanic cult trying to chase. chase it's like a road, you know, road chase movie. With a satanic cult, like trying to chase them down because they saw the, them doing some type of sacrifice, right? So, yeah, the movie, right? The action horror movie. Yeah, yeah, race to the devil. So those are two couple seventies movies that I realized we didn't talk about in the last episode. So we did it. I really like that movie, Race to the Devil. It's definitely a very. It's only a movie I think that could have been made in the seventies. With yeah, yeah, desert Peter Fonda just shotgunning a bunch of robed satanic cult leaders and has some <laughs> badassery all over it. Yeah, it's, I mean I mean it, minute, it's somewhere. But it's yeah. a good movie. Yeah, it's one of those movies that definitely you can only make in the seventies and you know is it really to me feels like I mean, because you got the kind of chase chases in the desert and smoking a bandit type of like uh type of tricks car car chases and stuff you know what i mean it's kind of like it's a weird movie have you seen i'm trying to remember because i haven't seen this movie since i was in college 
I don't remember being entirely satanic, but I remember it being creepy. I think it's called All the Colors of Darkness. It's a very obscure Italian horror movie, but it's really creepy. It's like Blood on Satan's Claw with like the hottest Italian model ever that it looks like a, a Playboy model version of Isabella Gianni, but an Italian version. I'm trying to remember. Oh, uh, yeah. And, um, I can't remember her name. Yeah, I've seen pictures of her, and I haven't seen that movie, but I've seen pictures of her, and she's like super hot. It's a really good movie. I'm trying. I haven't seen it since it came out, or since I was in college, because it was one of we had a list of Italian horror movies we could write about. I'm like, oh, this sounds cool, and it's, and it's named after a coma song. You know, that acid folk band from the '70s that tank because they were unabashedly pagan. I'm like, huh. I wonder if that's where they got the title from. And it came out around the same year. It's it's good. I don't remember it being... I remember it being very creepy, but I don't remember there actually being, besides, like, lots of naked women and, like, a guy wearing, like, a vegan mask and claws, anything actually satanic. And it reminded me a lot of, like, a David Lynch movie. But just... With, well, David Lynch has a lot of nudity, too. So I'm sure he's a fan. Yeah, I'm sure he is. But yeah, the... um, Yeah... And then we also, obviously, speaking of Italian, we had a last episode we got into, to, uh, you know, Suspiria and Inferno and all that kind of stuff. So, did um, we mention the Devil? What? Yes, right. Lisa and the Devil, the later Baba movie with Telly Savalas as the Devil. I don't think I don't think you did because I've never seen that movie. So, it's another one that doesn't really get a lot of love. It's also very weird and Lynchian and strange thing about it was the lead in it was apparently supposed to be played by anthony perkins and it's like all you know the weird like you know like necrophile undertones in psycho are not undertones in lisa and the devil the only reason why anthony was not in that movie was because of scheduling conflicts but he wanted to do it so it's i wonder if it's on streaming but it's it's really, really good. I mean, I remember really liking it back in the day when I was on an Italian horror binge because back when I was a film student, my professor told me, well, Joe, I can tell you like Mindfuck movies. You should check out Italian horror because you like Lynch and you like Bergman. You'll love this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, don't... They're great. A lot of Italian horror is very Lynchian, but in a way that like, um, I don't think it's always intentional. It's just the way that they do things. You know what I mean? It's just like... This- yeah it's just uh it's hard to explain but it's like it's like i don't feel like it's lynchian because it's trying to be surreal and weird necessarily it just is surreal and weird you know and i guess that's what you could say about lynch as well you know like but i think sometimes they are they are meant to be surrealistic i mean if you think about fulci he was definitely influenced by surrealism and he wanted to have a very surreal dreamlike quality to all of his movies like the beyond and everything so well that's funny you mentioned the beyond because that was how we didn't talk about this on the podcast but i texted you after it beyond was how i heard of anthony and arto because when i was writing one of my short films at the time and yeah most of my and most of the stuff i've written was always in some way or another satanic or a cult driven horror because i'm like i actually know actual things about you know black magic and occult groups and stuff i'm not gonna do hey joe carl now don't you do that you're gonna go to hell because you're playing a black magic i don't care i want to probably summon the demon but so i watched the beyond and then allegedly allegedly fulci wanted to dedicate it to arto 
Yeah, that makes sense. So, and that's still my favorite movie of his. I think it's his best, and I think it's probably the horror movie ever made. It's definitely favorite movies, probably yeah, on the top. The Beyond would be in my top ten horror movies of all time for sure. Oh man, it's, it's up like there. A- the The atmosphere and everything about it is amazing, and it's got that. It's it is a zombie movie, but it's got a very supernatural occult element to it as well, which is very cool. You know. Then um, horror movies. We were you were kind of touching base on this before. I'm just making sure my incense doesn't burn my apartment down. But I was always told when I actually I was learning Italian at the time, and I asked my professor why a lot of Italian horror movies made no sense. And she told me in Italy it's the same as Japan, where like horror like horror stories aren't supposed to make sense because they're supposed to feel like nightmares. Yeah, some of them, like you know, even Jalos. Jalos are supposed to be. Like I was pitched on Jalos as their sleazy whodunits, but even with like yeah, the Beyond Zombie Two, there's plenty of absurd plot holes in them, but or things that I don't think make sense at a narrative level. But some of them with things as weird as the Beyond, I justify. Or even did we talk about this movie? This isn't Italian, but it's another weird '70s movie that is also satanic and very dreamlike and disturbing Satan's blood. I think it's the Juan picker Simon movie that I might be getting the name wrong, but it's a great movie, but it's, I don't think I've seen that. I haven't seen it in a long time, but it's another seventies horror movie. That's basically porn, but just not as there, you know, there's little vaginal or sperm for it to actually be porn, but they probably had it and cut it out. It's really, really good. You can definitely tell, like, even though it's a satanic cult, one of my big problems with, like, satanic horror movies, especially this one, is the guy that made it is obviously a hardcore Christian. Right. So, like, there's a prayer to Satan, and he goes, Hail Satan, the god of necrophilia, the god of child, the, the god of heroin. I'm trying to remember. It's, I haven't seen it also in a few years. It's pretty... It, it's, it's one of those things where it's, like, that, that kind of him... Mm-hmm. Where you're seeing like God, Satan is just just like God of like depravity and and sin and everything yeah. evil in the world. I mean, that's very that's basically what early black metal was, was. You know, they're like, yeah, this accepted Christian thing. Like, yeah, Satan is just depravity and evil and misanthropy and hate and yeah, everything is evil in the world. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's not, I mean, and I don't think that's how old Hob would be. I think he would probably be. I mean. Like I remembered, I remembered when I when I was briefly enrolled in Catholic school. One of the priests asked me if, if the devil appeared to you, what would he look like? And I said, "Well, he'd be a child." And he looked at me like, "But he, how would he be a child?" <laughs> I was thirteen at the time, and then I said, "Well, because you wouldn't think he was e- he'd be evil, he'd be corrupted, wouldn't even know it." Right. I think that um, you could look at a like. Uh... I always see it that there is actually a side of the devil that is the destroyer, you know, yeah. the, uh, the destroyer, like the, a force of evil and destruction. And, but that's not all the totality of the devil. That's Christians just yeah. see this one side of him, but they fail to see that their own God is just as destructive as what they apply to Satan. You know what I mean? Right. And then, well, that brings me to something that I kind of wanted to touch base upon before, but I haven't seen them in a while. So I wanted to hear what your thoughts on them were. When we discussed the second and third Omen movies last time, I did, I think I even mentioned, I've asked this to you via text too, 
the strange plot holes that I thought were in the, the second and third omen that are obviously only a plot hole in the third one where it's Damien's age. Yeah. I think the second uh, one actually justifies it. I just forgot it. Like they they actually do say, oh, jump cut seven years later in the beginning. I just forgot that. And then the third one is the only one where it, they don't say where the first two take place. But then. The third one, he's 33 in 1981. So I guess they take place in the 50s. Yeah. That's my, that's, that's my, my thought process on is it's got to take place in the, in the 50s. You know, there's really, that's the only way that it makes sense. And I mean, they don't say dates. And if you watch the, the first two, like it's kind of nebulous, you know, everybody still kind of looks like they're dressed in 50s type of wear clothing. So, you know, I obviously not entirely. Some people have seventies haircuts, but yeah. Know, but but you can just like pretend like it's in the fifties, you know. <laughs> yeah, talked about that before. But the thing that because I haven't seen the second one in a while, and I rewatched it since the last time we spoke. One of the things that struck me about it was I kind of forgot that when they make Damien pretty sympathetic, you don't really feel bad for him. Like he almost seems like he doesn't really want to be the Antichrist. He just is because he can't really control it, which I thought was kind of cool and also there was an odd scene let me see like the trumpet scene when he finally learns that he's the antichrist it's supposed to be you know oh he's the you know he's the harbinger harbinger of the apocalypse Uh, and i'm like oh that's pretty fitting in a very subtle way yeah and there's a like that in the omens that i thought are pretty cool even though there's a lot of ridiculous accidental death scenes that are badass but yeah what were you saying yeah i think the second one is my least favorite out of the three uh, yeah, I think that um, it just doesn't really stick with me. Like, like I've seen it, but I don't really remember it very good. You know, like it didn't really make a big impression on me. Just so I kind of like a somewhat of a retread of the first one in some ways. It is. A and um, the thing that's interesting about it, though, is, well, there's a few characters that I think are supposed to be the Mrs. Baylock characters, including um, his uncle's wife, but it's an, his uncle's wife. You learn towards the end she is one of the Baylock characters. It's actually helping alien, um, Damien. I almost said my alien. I don't know where that came from. But then there's <laughs> like there's a guy that works at Thorn Industries that bears more than a passing resemblance to a blonde-haired, beardless version of me without glasses. That it seems like he's working for you know. Damien and he wants him to be the Antichrist but it's never addressed and there's a couple of other characters in the second one that are like that which I thought was interesting and I liked that it was never addressed it was kind of cryptic I thought it was interesting yeah and I was when's the last time you've watched that movie probably a while right it's been a while yeah and then but I just watched I watched them in three like last year like not that long ago because I did the podcast I did a podcast with my friend Ralph about uh Sam Neill's horror movies. So we did Omen Three and uh, Possession and Event Horizon. So um, Ellie and Mouse Madness. So we did all four of those movies in the podcast oh. episode. And um, so yeah, I had just watched. I just watched Omen Three not like recent, very recently. And uh, I like I like Omen Three because I don't know. I feel like you're rooting for for Damien in that movie. At least I am. And uh, yeah. And, you know, you can, you know, Sam Neill pulls it off really well. Like, you know, he, he's ruthless, but but you kind of like him, you know, and yeah. and uh, 
and I actually like because I was actually I had actually never seen it before that time, so I was kind of like I didn't know what was going to happen. I was like, is he actually going to win? Because it seemed like he might have won. And then all of a sudden, the stupid angel comes out of nowhere. I'm like, this yeah. bullshit. Like, like it's literally a Deus Ex Machina because without this bullshit angel coming out of nowhere, like he would have won. You know what I mean? Like, really, it's the chick that he's that he's been boning the whole movie. She ends up stabbing him. Yeah, but it's like After. some an, some like angel shows up and like, then, you know, yeah, he's priced as an angel because that I guess they didn't. So the weird thing about that movie. Or the third Omen movie, because I looked it up. Apparently, the reason why he couldn't find the reincarnated Jesus is he was born to a bunch of homeless people, like or or gypsies. So there was no he wasn't born in a hospital, but they apparently ran like weren't went over budget and didn't actually shoot any of that. Or if they did, mm, I don't know. Maybe they couldn't get it developed or something stupid like that. But I thought with so. Yeah, that's besides my only problem with that movie is you know, Damien loses. I wish he yeah. won. But yeah. even last line was like Nazarene, you have won nothing. And yeah. all of his bugs and that yeah, like you said, he's not you feel kind of bad for him. He's not all bad. I don't really he, feel bad for him. I feel like he's I feel like he's on the he's on the good side, you know? He's like, he's fighting the good fight. <laughs> yeah. Like, against, the, against the against the maggot Nazarene. <laughs> but so are his like weird monologues especially you know when he's talking to that creepy ass christ statue which i want to look up i love that monologue is that is he paraphrasing laba i um, i don't know i don't remember because it sounds a lot like when you you see the the satanic church scene in laba it sounds a lot like that monologue from that book it might be uh, it's been a while since i've uh read laba I actually okay. found an audiobook of Laba for free on YouTube. Really? Yeah, I started listening to it. I think in October, but but for some reason, like I didn't go back to it. I need to get back to because I want to. I've read I've read, read Laba a few times, but it's been probably six years since last time I read it, so I don't remember one hundred percent the. The it might be though. I mean, I would be surprised if they, you know. Like this thing that's funny about the Omen movies is I believe that they're kind of made by people like you know evangelical Christians, right? Like they, they were, and and yet they seem remarkably on the on the devil's side. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like they don't really seem to be. They don't ever none none of the movies really seem to be on the side of like good. You know what I mean? Like. It's like they it's 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 almost like that kind of John Milton thing where it's like they you know they they think they're on the they they're like saying the devil's side without knowing it or whatever, you know. I can't remember that quote, but yeah. That's yeah, what I no, felt about that. I agree. Well that's always why I like those movies. Those are like I remember I watched the original Omen movie after I saw the remake in theaters and I was a little disappointed that the remake is identical to the original, just shitty. But I watched the Omen was actually at one point a favorite of my father's and a favorite of my grandmother's. So I watched it on like my 14th birthday, no, 16th birthday with my grandmother and my grandfather. And I loved it. And then the third, second and third one, I saw a little later, probably about 10 years or so ago. And I've rewatched them quite a few times. I definitely do. I've watched the third one many. I, I know. 
why is it all the, the monologue or all the monologues I know by heart are always from the character of the dummy? I know most of the monologues from the Omen Three by heart. Yeah, I think um, and then I think I told you last time that um, Omen Three is Danzig's favorite Omen movie. It's one yeah, of his favorite did. movies. Yeah, like. At least back in the eighties, he he he. I think he had it as his like one of his favorite movies, his top ten. Oh, so, that's awesome! And some like interviews he did for uh, for around the time he was doing Samhain, they he did like a top ten movie thing for because he used to do movie reviews for Thrasher or something like that. I can't remember which magazine it was. And uh, that sounds right. I can't remember which one it was either, dude. Yeah, but, uh, but question of that: Did we talk about the Devils last time? Yeah, we did. Okay, I figured we did. I'm just going, trying to think. I haven't seen any of these movies, but the Exorcist knockoff movies from the 70s, like, I just bought a few of them. I think, what, like, the, the Sentinel? I'm blanking. But have you seen any of them? Are they any good? No, I haven't watched any of those, any of those movies, so. Yeah, mm-hmm. never. Yeah, never bothered to watch all the, the Exorcist knockoff movies in the 70s, so. But, like the uh. One, what's the one? All right, I just bought them. Let me let me go because they sound actually kind of interesting. But I'm sure. Here, let me. I li- I just got them today because I I had a bunch of fun money from Soul Invictus. It was the Legacy with Sam Elliott, huh? And Roger Daltrey's in it too. The Entity, which came out in the '80s, which oh, I've the, never. The Entity is not uh, has nothing to do with Satanism or. Or possession or anything like that. The entity is uh, um, a ghost movie, basically of a woman getting raped by a by a ghost. Oh, so it's not a demon. And then no, the Sentinel, nothing. I've yeah. never seen. I've never seen a Sentinel. The entity I've never seen, but I I've I know what it is. I've seen clips from it. It's pretty horrific. It literally shows this lady getting raped by some unseen presence. Like, it's, yeah. So, oh boy! It, like it has a cool soundtrack. That's very, very uh, intense. You hear, like, I've heard clips from it, and it's just like this intense soundtrack, and this woman screaming as she's getting raped by this, like, ghost thing. <laughs> oh, that's a great thing to sample. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, trying to think. I mean, you want to just. I suppose. The, yeah. It's probably getting the thing. 80s. Yeah. I mean, we. Obviously, we already talked about an 80s movie because that was The Omen 3. came out in yeah. 80, I think, or. Pretty, what I think. Yeah, no, is it eight? No, no. It, actually, I think it came out the same year as Possession, but earlier in the year. So it was eighty-two, I think. Yeah. But apparently, the Omen Three was shot in, in only about a year or two after the second one, but they shelved it because there was again probably production problems. Uh, we mentioned Possession and how, even though it's a brilliant movie, another favorite of mine. It's not really. Yeah, it isn't it? Right. It doesn't. It doesn't have anything to do with this topic, no. So no. Um, you mentioned the Beyond. Um, and well, I guess. Uh, what year did Angel Heart come out? Was that eighty four? Eighty seven. Oh man, that's that eighty seven. That's one of. If there was a movie that I could say that, like, I wish, like, I made. I mean, it's it's one of my like favorite movies ever, and I just I always for some reason find myself rewatching it over Soul Invictus, which apparently it's a common thing, because Thomas Carlson mentions he does it too, usually on Christmas Eve. And I'm like, huh, I thought I was the only one that did that. I, I, wonder, I wonder why. I mean, it's such a... 
I I usually watch Angel Heart more in the the spring or summer because it's such a sweaty hot movie. You know what I mean? All the mm-hmm. stuff in the swamps, um, all the voodoo and everything going on in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, dude, it's such it's such a masterful psychological horror movie. I mean, I got into an argument with one of my former roommates back in the day because he didn't want to see that movie because he was like, "Well, it's like the '98 twist where." He goes, he goes, Robert De Niro's character is really Harry Angel's character. And I'm like, no, that's not it. That's not the twist at all. (laughs) But I'm like, he was like, oh, I learned that in my intro to film textbook. I'm like, no, that's not the twist at all. I'm like, I'm like, and he showed me his textbook and that's what it said. And I'm like, what kind of blockhead saw this movie? That's, that's hilarious, dude. Yeah. I mean, it totally like maybe the, maybe the person who wrote the, wrote the textbook didn't want to give away the twist. So he just like made put some bullshit twist or something but yeah i mean for me robert de niro as lucifer in the movie is just amazing you know he's just so sinister and he's very understated like i was talking about it with my friend because they just did the end of days podcast i was talking about the differences you know you got like al pacino is like over the top as we'll get into when we get into the 90s and then you got like gabriel byrne from in the days again in the 90s he's pretty over the top too and then then you got Robert De Niro here in this movie. He's very understated, very sinister. You know what I mean? Oh, dude. Well, you know something kind of interesting? So, oh, man, I hope I don't get sued. But, you know, there were other characters' deaths that they filmed but are on the cutting floor, including, like, uh, you know, Harry, uh, you know, Weinsack, the, uh, uh, Lou Cipher's lawyer. They actually shot that scene of him being graphically decapitated by a fan. But it... And I'm trying to remember uh, the chick that Harry Bones, when they're in, that uh, does his, that's acting as his secretary, she dies in a fire. They shot those scenes. If I, have, right. I have actually a link to an old Fangoria article where they have, and I found production stills of that and other deaths in the, that were supposed to be in the movie. But I guess they were cut out from, from for pacing purposes. But they had, like, there's a photo of, like, wine sap covered in blood and uh, well you see it towards the ending if you watch very closely there's a flash frame of wine sap screaming but there obviously was there's a whole death scene of him somewhere in the vaults of trying to remember the, was it wb that did angel hurt it's one of my favorites i should know yeah i think it was warner brothers yeah i think so i'm not sure about that but um because i have the dvd and i i've seen it well over I've seen it at least 10 times. It's one of my, yeah, it's in my top 25. It's probably one of the most understated parties ever. And it's, it, it, I still think it's really disturbing and I still think it's a great movie. You know, there's a, there's a boiling cauldron of gumbo. There's the part when he finds, when he finds, I think it's the part when he finds Cruz Mark's heart, but it's one, it's one, maybe it's when Epiphany dies, but then there, there, there's the kid outside, you know, de- you know, dancing with like tap, tapping shoe, tap dancing shoes. You know, it's supposed to be like clapping of hooves. There's so much brilliant, like you know, lit, like like recurring satanic motifs in that movie that that are really subtle. And if and they they catch you unaware the first time, but if you're aware of it, they're absolutely brilliant. Or the weird, you know, nut, like black nun with the the veil that is walking around with that bowl that I think is actually supposed to be that. I mean, that that was because you see towards the end of the movie, a beardless Robert De Niro in that like weird black nun 
his outfits. I think it's just supposed to be the devil taking the heart of, of Harry Angel, right? From Johnny Favorite. Is that what that symbolized? I'm not. I don't. I'm not sure. It's been a little bit since I. Well, I haven't seen the movie in a couple of years, so I don't remember uh, every detail of it. So, but it is a. Lot. It is a movie that's like very has a lot of. It does reward rewatching because there's a yeah. lot of there's a lot of visual symbolism and visual storytelling in the movie that you only kind of catch, you know, watching it multiple times. Oh yeah. Well, I'm sure. I mean, there's an obvious one, but. As the movie goes on, Lou Cipher's hair and beard gets longer, as do his nails, which I always found kind of funny. And I'm sure you know this, but Bobby D is impersonating Martin Scorsese. Oh, really? <laughs> if you've seen, remember him in Taxi Driver or his other cameos, how 70s and 80s Scorsese was? Uh-huh. It's apparently what he was back in the day. Oh, really? But, <laughs> but allegedly, because I know some of the old guard in New York City that worked on that movie. And they even told me like everyone was actually really freaked out by by Robert De Niro's performance, including the director. And he generally avo- a lot of people, including the director, avoided him on set because really? they were actually legitimately afraid of him, which I think like, is bad. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, because they, they filmed but, a lot of it there in New York, right? And then they and they went down yeah. to New to to the South. It's a little strange. Like that movie was shot almost forty years ago. But given that I've worked a lot in New York City, I can tell where they've shot a lot of that movie even 40 years ago. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there's Seven Horseshoe. That's the bar where he meets his secretary at. It's been there since the 30s. It used to be a speakeasy. It's literally shaped like a horseshoe. But that's the bar he meets his secretary at. Yeah. A lot of the landscape in, in New York hasn't, like the buildings and stuff haven't changed a huge amount, right? Except for maybe certain neighborhoods. Like, Yeah, no, not really, dude. You know, like CBGB's is now like a like gross looking bank, right? But you know, like that's a bank, but you yeah. can still tell where CB's used to be, and I could still tell. Oh yeah, that's C- CBGB's in old photos. So that's you know by Bleecker Street, by Mercer Street, where my ex girlfriend used to work. Yeah, but a but, lot of a lot of the cities, the buildings themselves look pretty much the same. The only difference is now you got Victoria's Secret in the in the bottom four instead of a bunch of crack houses. <laughs> yeah, no comment. <laughs> uh, oh, man. I, I mean, I, we, I could, we could spend at least an hour talking about Angel Heart. I've seen that movie way too many times, dude. I'm trying to, but so the, I'm sure you also know this, but one of the things that I always think is brilliant about that movie and that, it, it's again, it's really subtle and that a lot of movies that do a twist similar to that always fuck it up and Angel Heart it works right before, you know, like the, the characters that know Johnny favorite die. Whenever Harry go, goes to see them, he always touches the object they eventually die with. And if you also rewatch them, especially the part of Toots Sweet and Margaret Cruzmark, you can tell that they actually know, oh, shit, it's Johnny favorite. And they're actually afraid of him. But they he doesn't know that he's really, you know, Johnny favorite. And I think it's just another detail of that movie that I think a lot of film noir and horror movies that have like a mystery. One of my big problems with them is once you learn about the mystery, they kind of, and this happens with a lot of film noir too, but just a lot of Buffy's in general, like the twist or how they explain the plot, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, it can happen. Or, I mean, and also I'm sure you can tell, but Angel Heart was obviously an influence on Silent Hill. Yeah, I could see that. Particularly Silent Hill too. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, I think uh, the thing with 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 Angel Heart is that the mystery is interesting, but it's not really the central. You know, like the first time I saw the movie, I was probably most in- interested in the mystery. But the, you know, most times you watch it, you don't really care about the mystery is gone, right? You know what's going to happen, yeah. but you're kind of caught up in the atmosphere and the world the movie created and the way that it tells the story, you know, and um, and of course, I mean, yeah, you know, he touches the items because he does. I think I think he's the one killing them, so you know what I mean. Like <laughs> he just doesn't he just doesn't know that he's killing them, you know. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, you know, so apparently I heard from one of my friends that did that did the movie, and it's also mentioned in an old Fangoria article, and you can even search it online. Toot Sweet's death was apparently a lot more graphic, and you actually saw him getting his cock cut off. But apparently it was... Eh. I mean, the movie, the movie actually is rated X, isn't it? I think it's rated R. Okay. Pretty sure it's an R-rated movie. But... Yeah, there was allegedly the Toot Sweet step. The Toot Sweet death was a lot graphic. And then, oh man, it would be cool if one day they put out like an unrated cut with all this stuff put back in. Because like even like stuff that I know that like like working on major network shows, there's always stuff on the cutting room floor that they that doesn't see the light of day because it doesn't fit the tone of of the show. Or like for instance, oh yeah, case in point that or the ending of the dark knight rises or even shit on gotham there was a lot more of those movies and shows that we shot that we never that we never used because it didn't really work but it's there somewhere and then but yeah i think with the with the 80s is that um off the top of my head i have a hard time thinking of a lot of good satanic movies from the 80s you know there's angel heart you've seen evil speak right I haven't seen Evil Speak now. Evil Speak is basically Carrie with a guy, and it's played by what's his name, Clint Howard. Uh-huh. It's one of Anton LaVey's favorite movies, actually, because I mean it's a bit of a slow burn, but it's it should be free on stream. I would recommend it. It's disturbing. Again, you feel bad for him. Like you actually want this kid to join forces with the devil and that and exact revenge on his enemies. But it's oh man, yeah, it, it's another. It's definitely satanic, and it's definitely you know, you know, the meek do not inherit the earth. Inherit the, meek, the meek get run, bulldozer, and I think you would like it. I would highly recommend it. Uh this one isn't very good. But have you seen Fear No Evil? It's also another carry with a guy, and they shot it in Long Island. It's terrible. No, I haven't seen that either. It's terrible, but there's a scene for some reason. It's a Catholic school, so basically Lucifer comes back. And a, and a Catholic school. I mean, I guess it's supposed to be like the Breakfast Club, but satanic. But it's not funny. It's barely watchable. But there's a really, really dark scene where they're doing like, you know, the Palm Sunday Mass in a Catholic school. And, you know, when Jesus is being crucified. But then Jesus, the kid that plays Jesus actually gets crucified. <laughs> it's really funny. But it's really, really dark at the same time. I really want to use it as a sample. Uh, I just realized about- one we can talk about is uh, Prince of Darkness. That's another favorite of mine. Yeah, the uh, John Carpenter movie, which came out in... Uh, also 87, I think. Yeah, 87. So I guess that was the year for satanic horror movies. But yeah, Prince of Darkness is really interesting because it's not really... Um, 
I would say satanic per se, but it's kind of this idea that I think ties into maybe some of the things you might see with anti-cosmic Satanism of Satan as this kind of uh, abyssal force from the outside. That's like kind of like, you know, breaking through the cracks of, you know, it's a very much, it seems like say the satanic force is like a cliffotic force. It's like, yeah, breaking through the cracks of reality. You know what I mean? Right. I think is really interesting. And I mean, they don't really see many movies talking about something that's more like this idea of Satan as this cosmic evil, right? You know, it's like this kind of anti-cosmic evil. So that's one thing that's really cool about this movie, about Prince of Darkness, I think. Yeah, I agree. Well, Prince of Darkness, I allegedly, uh, Carpenter wrote that movie as an apology to Nigel Neal because Nigel Neal hated how Halloween 3 turned out because Halloween 3 allegedly was it or what originally was written by Nigel Neal and yeah. you know didn't oh, at that time speak English very well and didn't understand the movie so one of the reasons why Halloween 3 makes a lot of no sense is you know De Laurentiis had has guys in Italy rewrite it, and they didn't uh, allegedly they didn't know English very well. So it's one of the reasons why there's a lot of plot holes in that movie. And of course, Nigel hated it. I mean, I don't think Halloween three is that bad. Well, I don't think, but, uh, but I don't think Dino Laurentiis had anything to do with Halloween three though, because it was uh, a cod. No, they. they uh, I'm trying to think. There was it was something weird like that. Like I'm, yeah. But, but because oh, at one point Nigel Neal did write Halloween three, and then or, he, he wrote the original screenplay, and then they they changed it and rewrote it, and then he got pissed off about them changing it. So then he had them take his name off. Of it, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, but then, like, um, yeah, how then with Prince of Darkness, um, John Carpenter wrote it and put uh, under. Uh, pseudonym which is i forget what it is exactly but it's like names of what, nigel yeah. new york characters put together yeah was it at martin quartermass i think yeah something quarter quartermass yeah so he took you see like took two names from different uh nigel neal scripts or names and put it together into like in the his uh pseudonym for writing for the darkness so it's very it is a very nigel neal-esque type of movie you know, because it's dealing with like science and evil combined together, like how a lot of Nigel Neal stuff, you know, like stone tapes and he did quartermass in the pit, right? Yeah, he did quartermass, and uh, mm -hmm. you could definitely yep. see the influence of quartermass on Prince of Darkness, but I th I think that it, Carpenter takes it into a really interesting direction with Prince of Darkness, and I love the soundtrack as well. It's one of my favorite. Carpenter soundtracks. So, Alice Cooper as an evil bum. Who, of course, if you listen closely, you actually hear his track "Prince of Darkness." Yeah, I, the, I think he's there playing it like when one of the guys gets murdered, right? Yeah, yeah. You just hear the, it's pretty cool, and that's another favorite Alice song. <laughs> what I like about that movie, dude, and like what you touched base upon is, well, yeah, the whole like anti-cosmic Lovecraftian current in it, and I all, all in all, just think "Prince of Darkness." Same thing with Angel Heart. It's another just lumbering, evil movie, and there's such an atmosphere to it that you don't really get much anymore. And I just think, oh, man. It's I also, 
it's also very nihilistic. I mean, I don't think they don't they don't overcome the evil at the end, right? You know, it's like oh, they, it's, I was gonna it, say I think they they win in the movie. Like, no, they don't win in the movie. I'm like, I haven't seen it in a few years. I should probably watch it again. But it's a it's a favorite of mine. I just watched it for thirty days of Halloween because I bought the the DVD at the Blu-ray of it. It's a good choice. Um, so the movie I watched the other day, you have not seen The Believers, right? No, I've not seen The Believers. I would, it's also another one from 87. It's, oh man, well, do you like The Runes of Beverest? Uh, yeah. I like a lot but of their stuff. The opening track on their first record is actually a sample from The Believers. Is that that sample you played from, what? Well, it's not from the first album though, right? It's from uh, Exuvia or whatever. That one, the one I played the other day was from, yeah, Exuvia. The first one, it sounds, I always thought it was Angel Heart, but it's actually, I mean, it's the dialogue is very similar. It's Jimmy Smith screaming, I know who I am, the eyes, I saw his eyes. But and so, anyway, but The Believers is basically, again, Rosemary's Baby with a guy in New York City. But it's, it's definitely very cryptically anti-Christian. Because allegedly, like this weird version of like African, like hoodoo or something, um, believes that their their gods are secretly in Christianity. So they're going around New York New York City cutting kids up. But the weird thing that's the twist about it is it initially implies, oh, it's in like Spanish Harlem, you know, the black and Hispanic parts of Harlem. But it's, uh, I do you, I might do you mind if I give away the ending of the movie or the twist or well, I'll just say it's a red herring. Okay. I don't want to get... I think you would like it. It also... It's a pretty dark movie. I mean, I think... Apparently, I looked it up because I was talking to my parents about it. Because I'm surprised they never saw it. And they thought it sounded interesting. But apparently, it inspired an actual serial killer in like Mexico. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I didn't recognize him. I'll send you the link when we're done. But that was one of the reasons why it tanked. And it wasn't really... I mean, it's pretty much forgotten about. But even like the other people that are older than you and I that I respect their opinions of, they're like, I've never seen that movie. And I'm like, it's, I mean, if you like Rosemary's Baby or Angel Heart, it's definitely a good third. And it's definitely, oh man, yeah. No, there's, I've been trying to see it for a while. I'm glad I finally watched it on Friday, dude. Uh, is, it, is it streaming somewhere? Yeah, it's, it should be free on Amazon Prime. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll have to give that a watch. It looks pretty interesting. I think you would like it. I think you would like it. Uh, yeah, prob- probably will. So, City of Living Dead, the poultry movie. Satanic, yay, nay, even though the main villain is an evil priest? No, right? No, not really. It's more Lovecraftian, if anything. I mean, it's got a little bit of a, a cult thing, you know, like it's opening the gateways to the other side type of thing, but I don't really say that it's satanic per se, you know what I mean? It doesn't really have no, the devil in it or something. Like I feel like we're committing a cardinal sin, not talking about like some of like the pagan horror movies of like the seventies, but I'm like, I don't want to talk about pagan horror movies. I wanna actually talk about movies that I think actually have a legit satanic philosophy. Yeah. Like like we talked about Blood on Satan's Claw last time because that's actually like satanic, right? You know, but like the Wicker Man doesn't count. You know, it's not satanic, you know what I mean? So that would I be for that would be for a different podcast in the future, you know. Right. <laughs> right. Uh um so- Yeah, I'm just trying to think eighties. I mean, 
you have movies like Night of the Demons, which again is more Lovecraftian, if anything, is more like Evil Dead ish, you know? Like Evil Dead, I don't really see as being satanic. No. It's more, a, a, I guess, Lovecraftian, you know, or occult, but not really satanic. Um, obvious one we're missing. I'll see if you get. What's that? There's an obvious one we haven't talked about yet. From the 80s? Yeah, Hellraiser and Hellraiser 2. Oh, yeah, that's what I was getting to. Yeah. So, how are, yeah, Hellraiser 1 and 2, you know, like, um, you get a very different kind of like, kind of like with Prince of Darkness, where you're getting like this kind of like unconventional viewpoint of of evil and hell and and darkness. And I feel like that's what you give to Hellraiser as well. It's very much like, uh, mm. you get, you're seeing like a very different viewpoint of hell. Yeah. And what that could be. And of course, you know, obviously with Clyde Barker eventually expanded on all his ideas with like Scarlet Gospels and placed, you know, Pinhead and, and the Cenobites within a kind of ecosystem of hell, right? This kind of like universe, this kind of, um, uh, which is, which is pretty cool. But obviously, yeah, like in the movies, you get to see the one part with like the Leviathan where you're like in the hell, which is in Hellraiser two, which is like a labyrinth. It's too bad that they ran out of money and couldn't really bring to life their vision of the, you know, the labyrinth in the end of uh Hellraiser two, you know? Yeah. They ran out of money in the first one. I think they had a bigger budget in the second one, but the same thing. And then the third and then allegedly a lot of the later ones, like, they didn't understand some of the ideas of Clive's later movies. I mean, if I, I never told you, I mean, I've only written down rambling notes of it, but if I ever met like Clive's assistant or anything, I have this whole idea for one Hellraiser video game and other ideas in, in like the Hellraiser universe that would be pretty much picking off on all of his forgotten ideas of the Hellraiser universe. I'm not sure if you know any of them, but so initially, canically, Philippe Lamarchand was actually a serial killer. The creator yeah. of the look, but yeah. I'll change that. And then other ones like he, had, I think I'm sure I've told you this, but like he wanted to do um, uh, the original idea for the third one was basically him remaking the mummy, but allegedly universal didn't understand it because there was lots of sex and violence in it. And he said the creature was kind of transsexual, but uh, the weird thing about that is, is but the mum his version of the mummy would have been revealed to have been the first ever Cenobite. But and then that was what Leviathan was supposed to be based on was you know the monster on the pyramid or the pyramid was based on the Egyptian pyramids was based on Leviathan. But the thing about the awful mummy remakes remake the ninety nine one like the part when when Benny says oh my master thanks you for your eyes and your tongue. Is actually from Clive's script, and same thing with the part when Benny plays to every god that exists. Those are the yeah. only parts of Clive's script that are in it. But then other stuff, I like, like I like I like the the I like the Brandon Fraser mummy movies. I think they're they're cool for what for what they are. Like you know, like for like being like adventure movies. <laughs> yeah, they're they're fun adventure movies. I would have liked them to have actually been scary. I liked them a lot more when I was a kid. My also, I feel like I've mentioned this too. No, maybe I didn't. But when I was in single digits, I had a pop, I had a children's book of that the mummy, and it was all the still photos of what Nemo looked like. 
And it had like fun facts like that, what I just mentioned and like things about the classic movie. And that actually seeing just what Emotep looked like in a still photo in the mind of an eight year old scared me more than the actual movie did because I, as a little kid, I had a very dark imagination and then I was just reading it. So I thought this movie was going to be really dark and scary, but then I ended up thinking it was kind of funny as a kid. Yeah. It's not, they're not, they're not horror movies, you know, they're, they're, they're basically like Robert E. Howard adventure stories, which is why I like them. Mm. But, um, it's a yeah, good point. I think that um, yeah, I think Hellraiser four was the last Hellraiser movie that had potential of like Hellraiser four is a movie that has a lot of parts that I really like, but then it's all kind of messed up with like the editing, and yeah, the ed- you know like the editing is pretty horrible in that movie. Like that, like, you can tell that the wine scenes just chopped the fuck out of that movie. Like they just don't even give a gave two fucks about it being good. And it's disappointing because that movie, I think, could have been really like this, like epic, you know, like awesome Hellraiser movie going through like the history of the box and yeah, and the family, and you know, like it could have been really uh, something really awesome. Like I really love the parts in like the French, you know, aristocratic, like you know, like the guys like murdering and then like uh, what's her name, the demon, demon chick coming into the box, yeah, Angelique. I think so. Yeah, Angelique, that's her name. Like I, I just you just think there's so much potential in that movie. Unfortunately, that kind of wasted. But yeah, well, the, um, you know the thing. I have the script, so the original script isn't actually that different than the final product. It's just, it's like you said, it's ruined in editing. Yeah, that, that's the biggest problem. Particularly towards the end, the editing starts to get fucked up. But yeah, that's the you, big. And then the get, second half is like you know how they kind of imply in the modern day scene that Angelique and Pinhead kind of have a love triangle going on. They're actually initially, and they even shot it. They were actually competing to win as meant to win souls from which versions of hell they were from, you know, Pinhead, you know, wanted more Cenobites. Angelique just wanted, you know, she was a succubus. She just wanted to, you know, have all the men or whatever come yeah. to her. They wanted, Pinhead wasn't infatuated with her. He's a demon. I don't think he would feel that way. And no. then the third one actually had well, the third part had them initially all die. And it wasn't, oh, Pinhead actually just died. You know, the Lamarchian descendant got away. But... The, um, the thing that, one thing I love about that movie is it's got some of the best Pinhead um, quotes out of any movie. Yeah. Like like even in the future part where he's like looking at the the earth and he's like a world of flesh or whatever. He's just like so good. Like he just, uh, they give him some really amazing lines in that movie. They do More give him some lines in that movie i agree yeah um more so than the other movie than, than the third movie necessarily the, so my biggest problem with hellraiser 2 is that i really find it obnoxious when the stupid doctor guy murder kills all the cenobites i just think it's stupid and that actually ruin kind of ruins the movie for me like i have a hard time with hellraiser 2 because that whole part just like pisses me off i'm like who's this fucking stupid doctor guy murdering all the cenobites like like nothing you know what i mean like uh and then the ending's just kind of stupid you know like that movie that movie really goes downhill in the last like quarter of it like the first three quarters are pretty good like got some good effects and it's interesting everything but then that last like quarter of the movie's just stupid you know 
My oh, what's opinion. your favorite one of the original four? The first one. Okay, I think mine is the second one. Really? But, but I think, I mean, truth be told, I really like the third one and the fourth one too. I think they're all kind of, I like the first four. I mean, the first two are two of my favorite movies ever. The third one is very, very flawed, and I think it's very cheesy. I think it's the worst of them, but I, I still like it. The fourth one, yeah. again, the f- I, five I, and six are terrible. They're obviously the same script that were not Hellraiser movies that they made in the two movies. Seven is okay. Yeah. But it's- I kind of like, inf- like out of those those kind of crappy middle era, I think Inferno is probably one of the better ones just because it always has some... Some parts says okay, like, but um, yeah, for me, I actually feel like my my kind of ranking would be one, two, four, and then three. Like, that would be probably, or I'd be two, one, four, three. I think. Yeah, because uh, I'd probably I, do the re- uh, reboot. I'm a big uh, I'm a big champion of 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 bloodlines. Like, I because I, a lot of people who write it off, you know, and just yeah. I think that they're missing a lot of. There's a lot of good mixed in with the, even though it's got some crappy editing and stuff, you know. No, there is a lot of good in it. I mean, if I don't want this just to go on a tangent about what I would do if I was in charge of Hell of Hellraiser, but if I ever did pitch my video game to a studio, because I pitched a uh, video game before, I would probably combine elements from all eight or all nine, I think, Hellraiser movies that are actually good and. You could either be. Have you ever played any of the Souls games? No, right? Like the Dark Souls. Yeah. Um, I've attempted to play those games, but they're but I have no patience for those games. So. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, they wouldn't be as as terribly <laughs> difficult as them, but it'd be kind of like that, but first person, and it'd be kind of like a choose your own adventure type where you could choose to become a Cenobite, a Harrower, or some you know one of Pinhead's earthly hosts, and you'd be guided by Pinhead. All throughout a Lamarchan, the Lamarchan Mansion as it's going through time. Basically, imagine it like being Eternal Darkness, but Hellraiser. And instead of you know the mansion in Eternal Darkness, it would be the Lamarchan Mansion as you're, as you're coming to to, to kill the, the next Lamarchan descendant. But you know it's a choose your own adventure type. Right. Be lots of violence and probably and push the limits of sex and gore in a video game because you know it's Hellraiser. There needs to be lots of sex and violence in it. Yeah. And. I wrote down a bunch of shit, what I'd want to do with it, and even, but, like, I'm trying to think. How familiar are you with, like, so you mentioned this before, but, like, so obviously, you know, a lot of the terrible later horror movie sequels, not just Hellraiser, but mostly Hellraiser, but are all because the Weinstein Company likes to keep the rights of things. You probably do know that being a horror guy, right? Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and, and, um, uh, what was it? Was it Miramax that they were making? No, Dimension. Like Dimension. Mir- Dimension. They're the same. They're the same. Yeah, company. yeah. But Dimension was like the was like their like their like label for all their their horror and stuff. And yet, the the horror stories I've heard about the way that they made movies. I mean, they made, they ruined more movies than they, than they, than they made really with dimension, just like through pure mismanagement and shitty, like not treating their people well, like not I mean, treating their people well. That's why re- re- re-edit movies without telling everybody. That's what happened with Halloween six. Like that's what Halloween six. Hellraiser four. Yeah. Prophecy. Like they just, they just like, 
like literally like i was watching a documentary about like with halloween six for example they um they recut that the whole ending of that movie they didn't even tell the director or the akads the producers of the movie like the people who own the rights to the halloween they didn't tell anybody that they were recutting the movie until it came out and yeah, they see the movie and and everyone's like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> oh man, I'd be. Yeah, I, I've heard that. I mean, I don't think any of those either versions of Halloween Six are very good. I think right. the producer cut is better, but I still don't think it's a good movie. I prefer the producer's cut. I think it's it's uh, I, I kind of like it better. I mean, yeah, I don't think it's great, but I do think it's a lot better than. It's definitely the, better than the original. Yeah. Than the the crappy weird recut that the wine scenes did. Well, even like I mean, th- I still think it's a good movie, but and we'll talk about this more when we get to the nineties. But the guy that did Highlander, that did the Prophecy, apparently uh, same thing. Like allegedly, it was much more of a straight up horror movie. But the Weinstein Company kind of edited it to make it like half horror, half action, and then they sat on it for two years. But that one, I still think it ends up being a great movie, and it's another good yeah. Luciferian where I think they make the angels actually evil. Well, we, might as, we might as well. I mean, do you have more stuff from the eighties, or should we get into the nineties? Trying to think. I mean, just do you want to talk about the Last Temptation of Christ? Satanic? No. Yeah. Even no. Satan's in it. Legend. There's a Satanic character, but not really. So yeah. go to the nineties then. Yeah. Like. Uh, Last Tem- Temptation of Christ is not something that I've seen enough times to even have anything to say about it. So, yeah. Oh no. Yeah, we can we can move on. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, it's something I probably need to watch again. But I mean, I read the book when I was a teenage, like like teenager, and I don't even remember it very well at all. So, have you seen Trick or Treat before we close out the eighties? Not the the two thousands one, the one that's never been released here and. In- like a thousand years because apparently there's some wacky rights issue with it. The goofy one with like the, the, um, the goofy one with the, the undead, like demon possessed, like get like metal guy. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. no, I've never actually seen it, but I've, I've seen clips of it and stuff. It looks pretty stupid. It's cool. I mean, it's a fun, cheesy, like it's, you know, making fun of the whole satanic event. Oh, the evil satanic heavy metal genre, but it's yeah, it's man. it's it's probably it's almost like a satire in a way, wouldn't isn't it? It's like it's like taking what all these stupid Christians are saying about listening to heavy metal and being like, no, now if that was true, this is what would happen, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's pretty funny for that regard, and it's a pretty clever satire. But it's, I mean, I have a bootleg of it. I think it's finally coming out on Blu-ray this year. It has a great soundtrack. Yeah, I think. But- uh... I saw some advertisements for a Blu-ray of it, like on Facebook or something. I, I can't remember if it's Shout Factory or if it's um, uh, Arrow. I think too. Yeah, maybe or maybe Arrow or maybe the guys who did the Cemetery Man reissue. I just got. There's uh, a Cemetery Man reissue. Yeah, dude. It's um. Is it good? I have the the shitty Anchor Bay, like DVD that came out when I was probably four. Yeah, dude. Um, I have the I have that Anchor Bay one too. But look at this. I mean, I Yo, shit, dude. It's got, it's got a booklet. It's got a 4K version print. 
And it's got a Blu-ray. It's got a DVD. It's got a whole extra bonus disc of uh, extras and interviews, and it's it's like fifty-five bucks on. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, Is it Arrow? No, it's um, Severn. So. Uh, oh, there's always so. I, I recommend everybody who wants to get a really nice edition of Cemetery Man go pick that up. Um, they also have the Church, which which yeah, we, that was my movie. I was gonna think about bringing up before we close out the eighties. Yeah, yeah, kind of. I mean, it's got a got some of us. It got kind of a satanic full core element to it with like the the Templars who were doing had been doing evil like worship, you know, devil worshiping type of thing. So it is. It has that kind of kind of quality to the church and there yeah Severn just released a, a blu-ray for that one too for the first time so i think it's the first time the church has ever been on blu-ray oh shit I'm, i and, love that that's another favorite and, italian movie of mine and that one's only like 45 dollars. i'm gonna pick that up here soon because it's still available so but yeah, I, I was like i couldn't afford to buy both of them because i wasn't gonna blow a hundred dollars on on two dvds and one, one yeah. go, right but i was like i'll pick up i gotta have a nice version of Cemetery Man because I love that movie. Yeah, it's a good and, movie. Uh, and I was like, I definitely want to pick up the church as well, but I figured that one wasn't going to sell out immediately. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I figured Cemetery Man might sell out pretty fast. But yeah, I think the church is, is, is kind of like borderline. Yeah, I mean, it's got the kind of ancient evil quality to it. Like the Templar is doing like, r- evil rituals, stuff like that. So it's kind of borderline, I mean, on that kind of satanic... Yeah, it's it's kind of more in between a kind of satanic horror and a kind of folk horror, Lovecraftian horror, right? You know, somewhere in, the, right. in that that kind of melange, you know. Right, right. I'm trying to see if we there's any other movies we missed, but I'm fine moving on. So, I mean, we've done a pretty good job covering a lot of the stuff from from the '80s that I don't. I don't. Think. If the '80s wasn't really, oddly enough, wasn't a really great era for satanic horror. And no, I think that really. might it was the height of the satanic panic, and I, I wonder yeah. if um, if that was part of it. That because as we get into the '90s, the '90s was like a, a boom. Like this was like the second boom of satanic cinema from the '60s and '70s, right? Like right. the '90s is like jam packed with great satanic movies, and I'm wondering if that's because. I, there was still the after effects of the satanic panic in the nineties with, you know, Christians freaking out about, you know, Marilyn Manson and whatever and all this stuff. Right. Um, but I think that during the, the true height of the satanic panic, when people's like whole lives and careers could be like ruined over bullshit. Um, maybe I think maybe it was just like a little too taboo and right. for Holly, like Hollywood is like not really wanting to touch it, touch it quite yet. But once the '90s kind of rolled around, and they could kind of start exploring that, you know what I mean? I don't know. I'm not really sure what the deal was, but it just seems like the '80s was not a very heavy year for fully straight up satanic horror movies like the '90s was going to be. You know, I'm trying to think of ones. What's funny is the decade I actually had a hard time with was the '90s. I'm trying. I actually just wrote one I forgot about, but. I mean, like, well, that's why. No. yeah. So if we get going into the '90s, I mean, one of the early '90s horror, satanic horror movies would be the War would be Warlock, Julian Sands. I've actually never seen that movie. Is it good? Yeah, it's good. I like it. It's pretty. It's a little, it's a little goofy here and there, but it's great. It's very, it's like I just watched it for Halloween. 
Okay. Um, that was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. Like I was obsessed with Warlock one and two. Like I wanted to be Warlock, you know. I wanted to be Julian Sands so, <laughs> in the oh, movie. He's like, I'm gonna have to check that out. It's real good. Yeah, and, I've not seen that one. Yeah, he's like, uh, he's he's like the son of Satan and wandering. Uh, oh. Like he at one point he pulls out, goes to like this like um, fortune teller type of lady, and he plucks out her eyes so that he could like. And eyes will tell, show him where he needs to go. He's like trying to get some type of like artifact from some from this guy. Oh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I've uh, seen Wishman for one and two. I wrote them down, but I'm like, he's a gin. He's not actually satanic. No, I don't think so. You want to argue a conspiracy theory that the Lucifer is actually really a gin, and but I don't think we need to go there, Carl. Yeah, but um, so yes, yeah, so Warlock. I think that came out like '92 or something like that. And then we, we got. got I've not seen. Unfortunately, I haven't seen that one. Definitely recommend it. Unfortunately, uh, no. it's not on deep Blu-ray. It's only on DVD. You can only get like a kind of cruddy ten-dollar DVD of it on Amazon. But that's what I picked up. Okay, it should be on streaming. I think too. I think it's on Tubi or AMC Plus or one of the many streaming services I have. But yeah, it probably I'd is. Still, I'd rather watch movies than eat until I go back to work. But more right. On You've seen the um, sex, right? The meet, meet Kelly, the guy that did the cemetery man. Yeah, he also did the church. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he did and stage yeah. fright. He did, yeah, stage fright, the sect, the church, and uh, and cemetery man, and also the sect just got put out by Severin as well. So. Oh, I have that one. I have one. The one that came out before them did like synapse or somebody. Cult Epics do it. I have a version of it somewhere. I, uh, the Sect is actually the only one of his movies I haven't seen, so... But... Oh, dude, it's... There's a lot of... I mean, there's a, a scene in it which I think is kind of cool, where like one of like the monsters like minions or evil artifacts is obviously supposed to be a satanic parody of the Shroud of Turin. Which I think is really, really cool, even though it just basically looks like a spider that's like a white, a small white sheet that's attacking <laughs> the, the female hero. But then there's other parts that are so fucking stupid. Yeah. Like it's definitely a mixed bag, kind of like what you said about Hellraiser, how you feel about Hellraiser 2. But I think, I mean, there's parts, I mean, it's not as good as Cemetery Man. I mean, I guess maybe if I had to hazard a guess, Michele Suave probably watch that movie and realized it comes off as kind of funny in parts so he decided just to make a movie that actually was a really strange horror comedy with cemetery man but eh, i don't know i could see you really liking it i could see you really not liking it there's parts that are really good but then there's parts that are eh. right no um and then of course yeah in the 90s we get into the, the prophecy which you just mentioned and of course, yeah. Glenn Danzig shows up, I think, in Prophecy 2 or is it Prophecy 3? I forget which. Yeah, second one. He dies in the opening. Yeah, the second one. He, he's, he plays Boyle, I think, right? Yeah, it's that was actually my introduction to the Prophecy. I'm like, oh, Danzig's in this movie. I love Danzig. I should check these out. <laughs> and then, and then uh, he's just in it in a wide shot. You see his heart being ripped out and just Glenn going like that, and he dies. But, hmm. Yeah. Um... The, I like. No, I haven't seen all the prophecy movies. I've only seen like the first couple. So, the first and, three or the first two? I think I think I've seen the first three, but I've only been, seen the first three as well. 
It's only it's been a while since I've watched them. I do, I remember the first one the best for whatever for some reason like it sticks with me the best. But the first I one mean, I think probably the best. It's definitely the most satanic of them because Lucifer ends up being kind of like Paradise Lost and things that I think are actually relevant to our conversations. Kind of ends up being you know more or less the hero because Gabriel was the main antagonist in the first two. Yeah, that's the thing that's that's I like about the prophecy a lot is that it's not really a good and evil in a way because the angels are actually like really fucking fucked up and evil in the movies. You know, like the, the angels no, aren't no. nice. They're fucking scary. They're they they seem scarier and more evil than the demons. You know what I mean? And then well, yeah. Well, who's... also, I mean, I talked to my dad about this. I'm surprised we've never came up with this, but like the prophet, specifically with the prophecy, the prophecy is very much how, you know, that book you and I don't really care so much about is, is that, you know, whenever bad shit happens in the old and new Testament, 95% of the time it's from an angel. Yeah. It's, you know, full of death or, you know, angels burning down Sodom and Gomorrah or other the, fucked up. The angels, yeah. The angels always do the worst stuff. You know, they're the sword, the wrath of God, you know, like they're, they're supposed to be scary, and I think I think that's one thing that's a genius about prophecy is that it it shows that it shows that the angels are not nice, like beings of yeah. light, like they're scary and murderous and unrelenting. You know, they're you know, so, and I I think that I really like that aspect of the movie. And I mean, it, and like I said in the end when um uh Aragorn shows up as uh as lucifer you know like he, he does a, he does a really good job you know <laughs> oh yeah no he does he does i don't know why but you just call him aragorn maybe, maybe like, i just can't think of I, oh vigo mortensen that's his name yeah, vigo, vigo, vigo mortensen. it's really funny. <laughs> it's funny because i think i i think of him as aragorn more than his actual name so <laughs> oh that's okay i'm sure you're that i'm sure you're not the last person i'm sure probably goes around my block at least 20 times and your block so he's a uh, i really like him as lucifer though like i wish that he'd do like more parts like that you know yeah me too dude well you know the thing that i also liked about i guess i do like that movie because i'm thinking the thing that i sent you that you've read like i've made i i definitely make angels fucking terrifying but then i also realized one of the things i like about that movie is i do like that Gabriel keeps calling humans monkeys, and I think, which I think is a reference. Have you ever read? I've never read it, but I've heard it. It was a reference to Aldous Huxley's *Ape in Essence*, and allegedly that was where right, apes evolved so much far beyond humans that they kept calling humans monkeys, and it was kind of a warning that I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but that's allegedly whoever the guy that did the prof the prophecy that also did *Highlander*, he apparently stole that idea from. Ape in essence. I've never read that book, but I'm meaning to. Huh. I'm like apes, angels, angel apes. That sounds cool. We should put that down. Angel apes. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think. Um, I think that. Uh, I I'd like to see more movies kind of um, present the angels in this kind of like hostile, kind of you know, evil way. You know what I mean? I think that. Uh, I there have been a few movies like. What was that one movie that came out much later? Was it Legion or something like that? I never. Yeah. I have. I. I remember. I don't remember that movie very, very, very well. But I remember it had angels being pretty like, 
scary, like the wrath of God, God type of angels, right? Like that in that movie. Yeah, one of them possesses a grandmother. That's the only part I remember. I've not. I've only seen that part in the trailers. Not anything else. Well, if I have my way, my TV series is a whole bunch of evil angels. So I think. I think that's way. I think that's the way angels should be presented because I don't know my experience. Like I don't work with angels because I don't. I, I don't. I'm very put off by them for the most part. But um, yeah. In my experience, they're they're not. They're very amoral because they also don't have anything to do with the Christian God. Really, they're no. They're entities that have existed for far longer. And if anything, they might have something more to do with the you know ancient Persian ideas of the, or you know. Ahura Mazda and like the these these forces of like and they're, so they're, they're very amoral they're not they're not good or evil in the same way demons aren't good or evil either right but the angels right. have this kind of uh, fierce kind of power to them that can that yeah I mean I think that uh, showing them in that kind of light I think is a very good way of subverting things as well you know what I mean Mm-hmm. No, I agree, dude. Well, you know something, because I even remembered, like, Carl, remind me. We, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but you weren't raised Catholic, right? Uh, my mom converted to Catholicism when I was like an adolescent, but you know, I split okay. my time between my mom and my dad, so I was I would go to mass and stuff with her as, but I wasn't really raised Catholic per se. But you know, I spent time. That would tell you, oh, Carl, you you have a guardian angel looking after you. If he appears to you, you should listen to him. Like, like, because my grandmother used to say that, but then my dad would get mad at her because my dad was like, "Well, mom, if an angel actually appears to Joe, it's bad." Because it because my and my my dad was like, "Well, it's not an angel; it's appearing to Joe. It's something else. It's probably a demon or something worse trying <laughs> to get Joe, trying to get Joe to do you know to do something." And then, oh, it's an angel, Pat. What are you talking about? And I'm like, so. <laughs> And I'm like my, my I'm like, huh, dad get it. dad got it. Which is also kinda of funny. Like I I guess I must have really, really liked like this because I don't remember it. When I was a kid, apparently, this is a tangent, it has nothing to do with Satanism except how fucked up you know the church can be. My grandmother took me to some saint in the Bronx that's apparently mummified. And apparently I don't know why, but I'm the only um granted I'm a lot younger than my cousins are. I'm the only one that apparently didn't didn't ball and run out of the church screaming and crying. Granted, I was like three or four. They were all 10 and 13 in high school age. But apparently when I was three or four, my grandmother took me to some saint in the Bronx that's been dead for a century, but she's preserved because she did something for the Catholic Church in New York City. I think Mother Cabrini. And I'm the only one that apparently didn't freak out, but apparently I'm the only one that doesn't remember it because I was, what, two, three? Right. I think, I think you might have mentioned... Did you, I think you might have mentioned that in the last episode, maybe. I don't remember. I probably did. I, cause I just learned about it. Like, my aunt, my dad's sister mentioned it probably on Halloween. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't remember that. It's like, yeah, you were the only one that didn't cry. And I'm like, but you were the youngest. And I'm like, oh, boy. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Grandma. <laughs> well, in the 90s, like I said, towards the end of the 90s, there was like a run of a bunch of satanic horror movies. So kind of starting off with um, about 97, you had uh, The Devil's Advocate with uh, oh, 
Yeah. With Al Pacino and Keanu Reeves and is it Charlie Saron? I forget who that are. Yeah. And I've been meaning to rewatch that movie because uh, it's been a while since I watched it, but uh, I, I just got a, got a DVD of it recently. But I do remember Al Pacino like going all crazy in that movie. Like, fucking. It's great until you learn yeah. he's the devil. It's just him screaming. Yeah. So, like, that's, and, like, it's, I mean, it's the total, like you said before, it's the total opposite of Angel Heart, where, like, you know, Lucifer is very subtle and cunning and he's very quietly threatening. And he's actually what I always like about that movie. He's actually really funny too. If you pay attention, you know, like in and the first, when he's eating the egg in angel heart and right before this, it pops. So, all right, did you kill him? You know, some religions, they say, yeah, he's the symbol of the soul. Carl. <laughs> and the devil's advocate, he's just, he's just screaming how bad he is on top of, on top of a New York city tower in wall street. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty funny. Like he's just like the opposite. It's just so over the top. Like it's like, definitely, definitely one of the most over the top uh, depictions of the devil. <laughs> like I mean, maybe it's because I have a very morbid sense of humor. But when I watched, I haven't seen it in its entirety since I was probably in middle school. But I watched it, yeah, about probably sometime last year. And when, yeah, oh yeah. John Milton, he's the devil. I started laughing and I and the more you know Al yelled as the devil, and I'm like, the more I started laughing. <laughs> and I'm sure it wasn't maybe maybe it was it was supposed to be comedy relief and he didn't want to do the movie. Like allegedly, rumor has it, and the later Halloween movies, the more the, like the more dissatisfied Donald Pleasance was with the script, the more he would yell in, in opportune times. So by the time you know Halloween five and six rolls around, especially five. You know, he apparently must have hated the script because, you know, Danielle Harris is traumatized and there he is yelling at her half the movie after she thinks she might have killed her sister's dog or whatever that dumb movie was about. Yeah. It, he, it's funny because Donald Pleasant's apparently liked doing the Halloween movies, but yeah, the scripts were got that the script for Halloween 5 is horrible. Like, that movie is horrible. It's just like, I, I just watched it last year, last year and I was just like, this movie is even worse than I remembered it. It's, it's a horrible for- movie. Four, eight, they do not hold up at all. Four out of all of them, four holds up the best. Like I like, I liked four. Yeah, yeah. but it, it uh, does hold. Five, five is horrible. But anyways, yeah, like I don't know. I mean, Al Pacino's pretty outrageous, but yeah. But it's it's funny though. Like I said, there's there was a kind of a weird resurgence of satanic horror movies in the nineties, and you got those. You got also stuff like Stigmata. Um, yeah. Well, well, the thing about Stigmata is I actually really like that movie, but I actually forgot to write it because I'm like, she's not, she's possessed by the priest, right? I mean, even though it kind of implies, oh, she's possessed by Jesus. Jesus is obsessed with, is upset with the church, but it's not really, she's possessed by that priest, right? I haven't seen it in a while. I haven't seen it in a while either, but I know that it, it may not be 100% satanic, but there's definitely kind of a religious horror thing as well there's a lot of satanic imagery in it and i know yeah. like what like i've noticed something when i mentioned runes of beverest before one of the things i like and something i'd want to do with like if i say you and i ever do like an orthodox black metal project or something is i like what alex von malienvald does with runes of beverest where he uses like parts of like you know demonic possession horror movies or so-called christian you know horror movies like the omen well not you know the omen is far from 
even though like a hardcore Catholics made it, I do not think it's a very Christian movie, but more like, you know, Sigmata, he uses it and like from like he uses samples from like the most horrifying parts of Stigmata on the on Rain Upon the Impure and it sounds terrifying. Or parts from mm, he just likes, I guess, the same harm fucked up horror movies. I when I like Crow. Yeah. And there's a bu- there's a bunch of other ones from Stigmata that he doesn't use or that I think would be great. Same with I'm trying to think. There's a there's a few good ones from there's probably good ones in the devil's advocate uh but then this one lord of illusions satanic yay nay spoiler line oh. i guess you know it's been a while since i've watched it the last time umbrella just put out a blu-ray of it i've been meaning i wanted to pick up because it's like the unrated like um director's cut version oh dude it's great yeah i haven't seen i haven't seen a director's cut like version that that has everything that Barker wanted in it, so I need to watch that. Uh, yeah, I guess it's it's borderline. Um, then of course you got the the heavy hitters in the late ni- like in '99, right at the end of the year. You got End of Days and The Ninth Gate. You know, so Last decent Schwarzenegger movie. Oh man, I know. I, I love know it. I love End of Days. I. Didn't like it at first. It's grown on me. I like we've talked about before. I think it's the last decent Schwarzenegger movie. Yeah, it definitely I, is. I mean, I rem- I saw it in theaters with my father back in the day, and I lo- I know people that did it. Oh man, you know. <laughs> well, again, it's another one. You know, kind of. You know, it's kind of the middle ground between Angel Heart and Devil's Advocate. I don't think Gabriel Byrne is as over the top as Dear Al is in. No, you know. Devil's he, advocate, you know, he pisses on a guy and the guy explodes. Yeah, I think um, there's like a sense of humor about the way that he 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 looks like he's having fun playing the devil. You know what I mean? No. Like like that. Like I feel like rather than being like as outrageous as as Al Pacino, like he's not going that over time. He's not yelling and stuff. <laughs> he tries to be pretty. Like at times he tries to like be very. Um, seductive in like certain ways he's doing stuff but he looks like he's having fun like he he looks like he enjoyed he's one thing I like about gabriel Byrne in that movie is he looks like he's uh and he loves being evil you know what i mean he does, he does love being evil oh, yeah. man. like it's a kind of devil that that's kind of a trickster who loves being evil you know like just loves what he does you know he's never work a day in your diet <laughs> in your life you love your job that's what that's what the devil was in that movie that's what i like about his portrayal in it you know what i mean i really want to use the final fight you know when you think when you know he possesses jericho and you think he's gonna rape christine and end up killing her but you know yeah, but he ends up redeeming and killing and killing himself and saving her i wanted to use the part when you think he actually is going to kill her as a sample in like a black orthodox black metal song one day, because it sounds terrifying. Like the opening of funeral myths, Angus day it would be like that. I think it would be a per- perfect. Same yeah. with, there's a really good bits in that movie that I think would be really good samples, dude. And then I, I think I've used some samples from that one. I if I remember correctly in the past. One of my best, one of my favorite things about end of days is the way that it's filmed. It just looks beautiful. Right. Like, dark as hell yeah like just and and from what i understand a lot of that was done like in camera with just like the way that they lit, lit everything and yeah. the, so there's right not not a lot of post-production like they 
director is like, no, I want to have like the actors in the environment that I'm trying to put on film. So everything was like lit the way to have all these deep shadows. And yeah, I mean the night that, that period of nineties, like I was talking about on the podcast podcast I did about in the days of saying that, um, that part of the nineties, there's just a certain look to these movies that I just really love, you know, go back to seven and, you know, all these types of movies that came out in the mid to late nineties, you know, I feel like end of days kind of just, you know, very much as part of that time period in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah, it is, dude. Well, that's funny. You mentioned those two in the same sentence. So tell, tell me about what I, what I sent you after you read it later, because I would use end of days as shooting sad thing, but this conversation we're going to isn't actually taking place. I can't confirm or deny anything. Right. <laughs> but yeah, um, Oh, and that's definitely the best part about end of days. And I don't know. I've always found Christmas slash Christmas slash soul Invictus in the end of the year to be kind of depressing. So it's one of the reasons why I like that movie is it makes this awful time of year in New York city, actually depressing and dark, which I kind of feel it is, or I find it depressing and dark. So that's yeah. one of my favorite parts about that. Movie. And then, yeah, it's a, it really captures that time of the year, right? You know, like it feels very much like that post Christmas uh, New Year before you get into New Year's type of type of depression, <laughs> you know. And uh-huh. yeah. and uh, it's crazy though. So the same year that comes out, you also get the Ninth Gate, which is probably in my for me the Ninth Gate is probably my favorite satanic horror movie of all time. Because of the fact that it is one of the most legitimately satanic movies with satanic concepts, like, yeah, inside of it, you know what I mean? Like, the very movie, the very concept of the movie has a satanic essence, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's a great well, that's kind of funny because you know, Polanski is an atheist, and I would agree, it comes off as very, very, very satanic. Uh, ah, yeah. so have you read the book? Yeah, I have the book. Um, so but you know the thing protecting why well, I'm blanking on his name, uh, Corso, the the blonde girl. She's it's not really it's addressed in a book, but not in the movie. But she's a you know she's a fallen angel, right? Yeah, it's obviously that she's like you know a demon or something sent from hell. You know, like I always got I always was like yeah, she's like she's like you know in a way protecting him i think he's the chosen one you know like yeah. balkan thinks that he's has been this that hubris that's what makes this movie very satanic is that it counsels against the kind of hubris that some sometimes say it's like counsels against some of the things that that overtake certain satanists right like balkan is it's hubris who gets in his way you know that's why he can't open the gates right and then it's yeah. you know um the one the one lady doesn't even know that's even an option. Like she just loves the pleasures of the flesh and doing her satanic rituals with her little coven of elite rich people. And you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, but they're not really, she doesn't even understand that that's even an option that, that you could actually open the gate to hell. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't, yeah, she's not even, she's not even aware that she doesn't understand at all. Right. Like what they're trying to do. And then, and then, you know what I mean? Like, so each character kind of, has their failings, but Corso is the only one who's like truly satanic in his essence, you know, who, yeah. And that's why he's the one who's chosen in a way by Satan. And you know what I mean? Yeah. 
no, I, I agree, dude. I mean, that's one of the things about that movie. I think that's really fascinating. I kind of think it it had a bit of, uh, you know, of, you know, uh, unintended consequence because it's, you know, one of a lot. If you buy, there's an occult bookseller. I'm trying to think if it still exists, but for a long time there was an occult bookseller called Bald Balkans Arcane Bookbindings that yeah. sold rare. Is it still? Do you know if it's still around? I don't know. I I don't think so. I used to buy from them back in the day. Haven't been on a website in forever. Or then, like other, like it's sampled, you know, by Acarontas's first band. A lot. Yeah. It's sampled. I mean, I, I think the end is yeah. Corso is sixty nine. What's the angel's name? She doesn't have a name. I she didn't have right? a name. She's just, no. She's just, she's just a girl. Okay, I don't remember her actually having having a name, and I'm usually yeah. pretty good. At she, yeah, she doesn't have a name. She's just named. She's just the, the girl, and um, uh, it's actually Roman Polanski's wife. So, of course, it is. God yeah. damn it! And um, they've been together forever, though. Like they're still together. They've oh, been together boy. for they've been together for like thirty years. But um, yes. the um, the thing what's about part of that movie. What's that? What's your favorite part in that movie? Because that's another favorite of mine. The um, one of my favorite parts is Balkan's um speech before, like when he breaks into like the satanic retreat. He's like, "Mumbo jumbo, mumbo jumbo." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. Look at you, a bunch of buffoons and fancy dresser and all that stuff. I just love that. That and he scares them away by screaming "boo," which I think is hilarious. Yeah. I just love that because, you know, there are a lot of Satanists who are those buffoons in fancy dress who just speak in mumbo jumbo. You know what I mean? Like that is a, that is a, a common thing. There's a lot of them out there, you know, so. I'm sure. Have I said this on this podcast yet, Carl? Or I think a lot of so-called Satanists, if the old one, Lucifer, actually appeared in front of them, a lot of them would shit their pants and go back to church or whatever they were raised to believe in. Have I said that on this podcast yet? Yeah, we've talked about that before. Okay, I'm sure we have, because I, yeah. I stand wholeheartedly by that. Case in point, that part in the Ninth Gate, and I do think it's kind of funny that there's a lot of, I think, actual truths in that movie. Yeah. yeah. Whether Polanski intended or not, probably it was unintentional, because I know he is, I think, an atheist from you know surviving his life depicted in Schindler's List. But yeah. I, oh, it's such a great movie. I think my favorite part is probably the ending when you know when she's like writing him and yeah they, they, they and, change the, the last page so balkan burns alive yeah and then then he's like outside like she's like writing him in like the the fire it's a that's a cool part yeah and then um, i also like you know because you know in the satanic spring i don't want to rip off dear nicholas but something that he said about this movie that i thought was interesting is i didn't think about it really but he said and a roundabout way, Corso is the main antagonist. Yeah, or he, and I think it's a very interesting way to look at it. If he's like John, like Johnny favorite Angel Heart, it plays very differently upon. Oh yeah, Corso is an antagonist. He's not the hero. And I did it. And then since he said that, I recently rewatched that movie from the past year, and I saw it in a whole different light. But I'm sure you know the yeah. funny thing about that movie: they didn't sh- shoot anything in New York City. Because Polanski is not allowed in this country ever again. Yeah, I think um, well, most of it was built on a, like where the where the where the book dealer and stuff. That's a set, 
but then yeah. they actually sent uh, like a second unit to do like city shots of New York. You know what I mean? Like the, the shots of the city. But yeah, like the shots where they're actually, you know, directing uh, Johnny Depp is all uh, uh, stage. Yeah. The um, okay. one thing that um, I personally think uh, is that, you know, this came out in 99 post. I, I'm pretty sure that almost every buddy who's like us who's seen this movie and many black metal people and stuff all mm-hmm. want a copy of the book of nine gates right and yeah, after this after this movie came out it was like the beginning the dawn of like the fine occult book boom yeah. like you know starting with exoxar and then moving on you know like all of a sudden that's you know nowadays it's such a huge fucking thing you know like people trying yeah. to make these like fancy occult tomes right and i think that i have a personal like uh theory that i think this movie inspired a lot of that you know? oh it definitely definitely did yeah and there were a whole bunch of booksellers that were literally called yeah like not trying to like yeah balkans arcane book bindings that was one that's no more like ninth gate Arch- archives was one of them i'm trying to remember but there was a bunch of them when i first started getting into this business and then just finding books that I would think, oh, like the Necronomicon for real, or like, you know, the Ninth Gate, the 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 Nine Gates for real. Excuse me, not the name of the movie. Or trying to think other good old satanic tombs that are in classic classic satanic movies, but a lot of them aren't. A lot of the ones that we could buy, you know, from like the Mark Allen Smith books, or well, like, he's not really satanic, or other ones. A lot of them I don't think are very good or very useful. A lot of them literally are what Balkan says, mumbo jumbo. Yeah. But the ones are I think are like that I think have speak on a more philosophical level rather than like broken English are actually well meaning and are worthwhile. Uh I'm trying to think if there's any other nineties horror movies we've missed. Uh I sure there's there's some other ones. Um like I know that there's 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 a couple other movies like I'm like blank on the names of I can't think of that were part of the kind of oh, uh I forgot an obvious one if you consider it. What's that? You think of an horizon as satanic? Yes, yeah, they're going to hell, right? No? Yeah? Huh? It's, it's sort of, yeah. It's it's sort of. it's satanic in the same way that maybe like Hellraiser is, you know? Because they go to like kind of another dimension. So it's kind of in that vein of like uh, yeah, but in space with hell. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like the Event Horizon went into like a uh broke into the other side in a way. It's definitely clephotic in a lot of ways, you know, like it's this kind of clephotic thing seeping in from the other side. So yeah, I think it, it's definitely a cult or I mean satanic in a lot of ways, yeah, for sure. I'm sure or there's something that I think is I actually don't like that movie particularly. There but you know, they cut like forty minutes of that movie because allegedly it did not test well because it because it was actually extremely violent and extremely like sadistic and dark and the audience and the producers were very unnerved by the gore in the movie yeah well yeah what the big part like i really love event horizon i think it's great and um i think it's 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 unfortunate that i don't know if that footage will be found but they there's the whole part where they show like they finally like get the log and show what what happened like what 
what all the people did to each other and um they literally some of it was like they found some of the thing was though some of it was literally like kind of x-rated like they literally had like porn stars like you're naked like yeah porn stars like doing like orgies in hell without eyes ripping people apart shit like yeah and yeah just like and there's actual like i think there's yeah i mean i don't know if there's real sex or not but it was like definitely like um very extreme like you know simulated rape and just like really brutal and i think there's like a whole like 20 minute section or 30 minute section of just just all this horror and they just cut it down to literally like you know a minute you know what i mean like and that was like like that's 90 minutes most movies that so when we were talking about hellraiser 4 before a lot of the parts they only cut cut out are like seconds of footage but it does the way they they chopped out parts so it doesn't make a lot of sense yeah like with, with a like, like, horizon lost almost i think at least 30 minutes i think it's close to 40 i think i think it's yeah i think it's like 30 minutes um but it's mostly all in that one scene so it doesn't really affect the story necessarily some people think there are some people who are like well it probably works better because you because you're just given like little glimpses of the the horrific stuff but i'm like no. I want to. I want to see it. I want to see the see shit. They put a lot of. They put a lot of work into creating this nightmare fucking hellscape. I want to see it. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, the weird thing about that movie was, dude. So I'm sure I've mentioned this last time, but my theory about lost footage: always check with the editor or the estate of the editor, because 95 percent of the time they probably have it, and. Like, even if it's in, like, a, well, allegedly, like, I heard this a few years ago, like, because that was the same thing with Exorcist 3, which we mentioned last time, right, dude? Uh, I don't remember. Okay, well, did we, so, did, we, did we talk about Exorcist 3 last time when we talked about Exorcist 1? Because I think we talked about all three, didn't we? Did we not? We well, probably, not. We probably did, yeah. I would imagine we did. But, so, the Exorcist 3, I mean... Like most, like they eventually found most of the original cut, like in the whatever. The, I'm blanking on that weird, the weird studio. I think it was a lot of it vault. wasn't like mostly a, like a work print though, so it wasn't like full scale quality. Because like it wasn't full scale quality, but it I know, was. I know that Legion cut is like kind of weird because it goes between between the different different qualities. You know what I mean. The Legion Cut is actually decent. I mean, they did a pretty decent job of restoring it. But the same thing like with like Event Horizon. Like a few years ago, they said, Oh, we found the original cut on a VHS tape. I'm like, they could um but then they haven't said anything about it. Or same thing, this is a totally other random thing and has nothing to do with horror. But if you liked Red and Stimpy as a kid, I remember being very disappointed when I bought the box set as a kid. And I and then I was one of many people that emailed John Kay, and John Kay was like, "Oh, hey, blame Nickelodeon." Then he wrote back to most of the people, and there's even on Amazon. It's not me, but but somebody carbon copied or copied the letter that John Kay said to me and a bunch of other people. However, if I find the footage, I one day I will let you know. We will re-release it, implying he has it, and they're going to re-release it one day. Same thing with like Event Horizon. I think, I think. As I remembered hearing a few years ago, they actually had same thing with like Nightbreed. It's not satanic. They ended up finding 
saying, oh, the footage, we can't find it. Oh, no, we found it on a VHS tape. I think my conspiracy is somebody probably has the actual version of Event Horizon. They're just trying to create buzz for when they re-release it. It actually does well. Right. I could be wrong. I would love it if they do. I'd love it, too. Because I, I think, I mean, like 30 minutes of a movie is an absurd amount to cut. Because yeah. usually a lot like, uh, oh, shit, it's another movie I forgot. Uh, Can we pause for a second? Yeah, yeah, second. yeah. I... All right, Sam. What, what was you say so you're going to mention another movie from the 90s? Well, there's a pretty obvious one we forgot because I don't think we talked about The Exorcist 3 and in line with what we were talking about with um, Event Horizon. Event, I mean, The Exorcist 3 is another, I think, example of a lot of like ni- 90s horror movies or like lesser known horror movies that I think, you know, like it's a very, very, very good movie, but like it's the theatrical cut, it's kind of a hot mess, but in the best, and I guess I mean that in the best way possible because there's parts of it that are really, really scary and satanic, you know, the part when you know, um, the Scorpio killer walks into the confessional and, deca- and, con- and confesses to the priest and then, you know, he, the priest realizes he's hearing a confession from you know, a serial killer and he gets decapitated, but you don't see that until the work front one, but you only kind of half see that. But And then the studio allegedly didn't understand the third Exorcist movie where they're, oh, why is it called The Exorcist 3? But there's no exorcism in it. So there's that hackneyed exorcist bot. That's... Yeah, and that was added in completely. Yeah, uh, like, because originally yeah, it was supposed to be Legion, and then we have the, you know, it's, there's not really an exorcism in the original moot in the book, you know, so it's like, um, yeah, they added that in. Uh, I think that it's funny with 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 the Exorcist three versus the Legion cut is that I think that the thing is though, like with the Legion cut, is you don't get as much Brad Dourif, which is a negative because no, no. Brad Dourif really is awesome in the movie. I mean, he's so good. Brad Dourif like, is terrifying in that yeah. movie. Like his performance is so like it's like a. It's amazing, you know, like, and I know, and I know in the original Legion cut, it's more, it's mostly, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jason Miller. Jason Miller, instead of doing a lot of that. And, uh, he does a good job for his parts too, but I feel like, um, there's something just really cool about it flipping between Jason Miller and Brad Duroff, you know, like they both do such a powerhouse, like, you know, performance that, I think you missed something in the Legion cut with it being cutting most of the Brad Dourif stuff in, you know? Yeah, um, no, I agree. I actually think, I mean, like, I feel like the Legion cut and the theatrical cut, I think they should have done a third version where it's more or less everything from, like, it'd be a combination of the two of them, just minus the hackneyed exorcism part. I think that would be the best version of the Exorcist 3. Granted, I'm just a fan and I want to be uh, somebody that's just trying to sell my scripts to <laughs> yeah. other people while I, I just move lights and wait for my job to come back. But I actually think, I mean, I actually probably all in all, like you said, even though I think the theatrical cut is very, very flawed, I do think I might actually like it. Well, better partially because of, yeah, Brad Pitt's brilliant performance. And it is you mean- scary. You mean Brad Dourif? <laughs> Brad Dourif, excuse me. Uh, I'm thinking about that thing I was writing about before. 
Brad Dorf, yeah, Freudian slip. Ugh. The um, yeah, I think uh, I think you're right though. I do. That's what I think too. Is that I think the best version of that movie would be a mixture, more of a mixture of the two versions, just taking out the father mourning uh subplot that's completely just tacked in with uh I mean I love Nicole Williamson as an actor but it's just real goofy him showing up like I want to do this like it, it, the whole part's so goofy although I really do like the part where um where uh um George C Scott's like held up against the wall and he's like I believe in what's what's all of this all this stuff I believe in you you know he's talking about I believe in degradation and what I forget all the stuff he says, but I love that that I use that for a sample in uh, one of my one of my demos in the past. It's a good sample, yeah. I know exactly what 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 you're talking about. He's listing all the good things and bad things he he believes in, which you know he's a cop. He I, sees the good stuff every day. Yeah, and he's talking about all the evil and degradation, and you know he's basically saying that I believe in evil, right? But yeah, yeah. I think the yeah. I, have you ever read the book Legion? Yes, I have. The book's really good. I mean, the the problem with Legion, the book, and this was a problem with the original thing, and I kind of get... this one of those things where I actually kind of get like the studio is like, we need to have a better ending because the ending of the, of, is, of the book in particular is kind of obscure. You're like, okay, the reason why he's doing the killing is because it's to shame his father, right? So his father dies, and then all of a sudden the Zodiac Killer is like, well, I don't have any reason to be doing this anymore. So he just... <laughs> He just leaves. Yeah. It's kind of like a really anticlimactic ending, and uh, yeah, it is. And also, you know, the thing in Legion that I remember that's not in the movie. Well, I mean, it is, but sort of. You know, the book is kind of a whodunit. Yeah, yeah. And then one of the things I like about the book, though, is that it has a lot of philosophical exploration. It's very much an exploration of evil. And I mean, Kinderman yeah, is, is 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 Jewish, right? He's a Jewish character, so. I think it's interesting with Blady is that he's um, yeah. If, if the Exorcist original book is an expiration of evil through the through the vein of through the lens of a Catholic, I think Legion in a lot of ways is the expiration of evil through a Jewish mindset. You know, and that's the way to look at it. You're probably yeah. And a question: How similar? I've never read the original Exorcist book. How similar is it to the movie? Very similar. It's like almost like. The the book definitely gets a bit more. You you get a bit. The thing, some of the things I like about the book better than the movie is that I think that the book shows that like the Exorcist goes on for like a week or something. Like the exorcism, like it goes on for a long time in the book. But the in, hours the, of- in the movie, it just seems like they're there for like a night, and all of a sudden, you know, like it's a little a little too fast in my opinion. Like I think that would have been better if one thing. My only. The Exorcist, in my opinion, is almost a perfect movie, but one of my only issues that I've always had with it is that I feel like the Exorcist part of it, Exorcism part of it, is a little anticlimactic. You know, like you're building up all this stuff to this this thing, and then it's only like 20 minutes, you know? Like, it's just yeah. like... That's why... That's one reason I like the the extended, because at least it gives you a little bit more in the Exorcist part, and shows them resting and having a conversation about why this is happening and i'm gonna have um, to watch I have it right in front of me but i've never seen the the, the version you've never seen and i trust your opinion a lot or else you know i wouldn't be here but. yeah but i think that um that's the one thing that the original exorcist needed more of was a longer 
exorcism to kind of show that this is going on for days. Like that's why it wears down Marin until he has a heart attack. You know, like I feel like right. And and the book uh, when he dies, it's it's cool because the demon's like mad at him for dying. Like he's like what he's like yelling at him like why railing like why he died like he died like you know like we didn't get to complete this you know like the demon like wants to like you know he's it's want to fight with Marin and he's like pissed off that Marin died on him basically right. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish uh, they had that in the book the angel heart book falling angel I haven't read it but I've heard it's a good book but it, I think the, the whole book doesn't I think the book itself only takes place in New York. Like they, the whole part of them going to New Orleans is something they added for the movie. But yeah, it was something they added to the movie. Um, per um, Alan Parker asking and talking about adapting the book with William Hortzberg. And then there's also a sequel to the book that William Hortzberg published right before he died. But I've heard the movie. The book is very good too. It's a little. I have it in front of me, but I haven't read it yet. I've heard. It's quite a bit. It's similar, but it's different. Apparently, again, a running theme with it. I mean, the deaths are not exactly not graphic in the in the final cut of the movie, but there's a lot other details in the book that are not in the movie. So I'm gonna have to check it out at some point, dude. Yeah, I've been meaning to read the yeah. book at some point. The um, I've never read the X. I've read Legion, ironically, because I was intrigued. I because I saw. Uh, Exorcist 3 and I liked it given the you know the sum of its parts I think it's a really good movie and I think it's a very underrated movie but I wanted I heard you know how you know different it initially was supposed to be and that the studio didn't understand it so I'm like okay let me get Legion and then yeah I do, I do like that book it's a good book and I do obviously really really like The Exorcist Part 3 I don't think there's any other movies from the 90s we've missed I mean, uh, I mean, I guess this is how we can close out on it. Uh, you, you've seen Millennium, right? The X Files spinoff show. Yeah, I have all the seasons for it on DVD. So there's I um, really like that show, especially the second season because you know it deals with like religious phenomena and the occult, especially the episode where it's the three old men that are the demons. Yeah, and uh, even uh, like season one. So I haven't gotten to season two yet because I've been like rewatching it periodically or since I bought the, the DVDs because I bought all three at the same time. Yeah, um, as it so I haven't gotten to season two yet, but like season one starts off more like it's like serial. He's like hunting serial killers. Right. But I know that as it, but... as it goes on, it gets he, I know there's like episodes where he deals with like satanic cults and yeah, you know, like, um, like yeah, I'm. I really like Millennium. Like I love Lance Her- Hendrickson in it, and then I think that, I think that it's one of those movies that show like really taps into the zeitgeist. You know, like I feel like yeah. Millennium was a show that came out in time same time where you got a book like Apocalypse Culture out there. You know, like it yeah. very much has that feeling of the '90s like obsession with cults and serial killers and and yeah. uh, all this kinds of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's a really good show, and I definitely think, I mean, I like all three seasons, and I think all three of them are, like, given its time, I actually think it's very, very, very ahead of its time, because one, it's considering it was, you know, a made-for-cable a, a made TV show that wasn't on HBO, and HBO wasn't really that, that big yet, 
it's pretty graphic considering some of the shit they got away with. It's pretty dark. A lot of the episodes are very, very, very bleak. Yeah. Especially the second season. But and even like the serial killers, like try have you gotten to the one with the serial the, the killer of horses? I haven't gotten that one. Um it's one even, of the last episodes of the first season, but it's one of my favorite episodes. Even the pilot is pretty dark, and I was actually surprised what they got away with in the pilot for the show. You know, I mean, like, and I, from what I understand, Chris Carter was, was in, really in, inspired by Seven, so that was like a huge yeah, was. influence on on the development of the show. And um, even the X Files has. Uh, Do you, you remember the X Files episode where? They go to like um, Lauren and Scully go to a uh, this town and oh, and yeah. and Mulder's like you know like all the all the satanic panic stuff was like disproved like it doesn't exist but then they go to this town and it's like literally like all the like crazy satanic panic like cult yeah, you know sa- kids, right? yeah like satanic cult like where the predator you know preying on kids and stuff was yeah, all for real all for real. Yeah. But Mulder's like, oh, this, they, you know, if we we disproved that this this wasn't real at all. But they go to this town and it's all the like crazy. City. I I think that episode's really funny. Like, yeah, it is a funny episode and it's a good episode. But yeah, Millennium is a very very dark show, especially the second season. Like with like a lot of the stuff they say about demonic possession, it's still kind of you know from you know like The Exorcist. It's from still a very you know Judeo Christian or Abrahamic viewpoint of it. But I still think a lot of them are rather good and then my favorite or there's a bunch of favorite episodes of mine but at the one it's the second to last one i think of the second season with the three old men that are really demons uh frank black gets into their head and he keeps saying to them he must be so lonely implying that he's trying to break down the demons because he understands even though it's a very you know like abrahamic way of looking at them oh they're demons but they're alone so He's trying to make them feel bad, which I think is kind of interesting. And then a bunch of other ones. There's this really weird one where it's apparently about another immaculate, immaculate conception. And, oh, man, but it's kind of scary because it, it's almost shot like she's almost the Antichrist. Or like, you know, she's being pregnant with the Antichrist, but it's supposed to be, you know, Yeshua, Jesus, whatever his actual name is, born again. And then I'm trying to remember, I, didn't, I haven't watched that show in a few years, but I do really, really like that show. And obviously I am a fan of seven and like conspiracy shows and things like that. And I do think that show is very, very underrated and very, very ahead of its time. I yeah. Think. I think, um, I like that. I like the episodes of the show too, where it gets more supernatural and, and, uh, has the kind of occult supernatural elements too. I think that's, that's where the show shines the most to me, even more than the, serial killer type episodes the um... it does even the second well you know did i ever kind of do you remember the last episode of the second season no i mean not off top i mean i haven't seen that episode since it came out so how the hell is it still not on streaming that's a tragedy because it was supposed to be on yeah it's not streaming on, anywhere on um tubi they were looking about it but no no. But, I mean, a lot of the episodes kind of connect, which I think is really cool and ahead of its time, given that that show, you know, The X-Files is good, but I think there's a lot of episodes. I don't really think a lot of them, like the mythology episodes, I don't think a lot of them make a lot of sense. And, you know, when they go to L.A., there's that whole ridic- like ridiculous jokey episodes that I don't think, or like episodes that are like white versions of X-Files. But I think, looking up, actually... I think, well, I think the first, like... 
three or four seasons of X Files are are killer. You know, like yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and then after that, yeah, when they when they uh, switch from filming in Vancouver to LA, it's, it's when the show started like not being as good. But um, I kind of stopped watching. Like I watched X Files religiously every every week. Like it was like my favorite show in the nineties, you know. Like I watched it. I watched it from when the pilot. My dad and I watched the pilot, like when it first aired, and I basically watched it every week. Yeah, I watched it with my dad too. Until every week, week in week out, I watched every new episode until until Mulder left, and then um, when David Duchovny left, I I kind of I kind of dropped off where I'd watch it here and there. Um, I know that there's some good episodes with uh. Um, what's his name? Robert, uh, Patrick, right? Robert Patrick. Yeah, like I've actually never seen any of the episodes with him or any of the revival episodes. And you know something? I think it's kind of weird, dude. I'm surprised. So allegedly, Disney are reviving it again, but some of the conspiracy theories on you know the X Files or Millennium, you know, just believing in aliens or oh, believing in like there was a Millennium episode where. You know, during 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 the eighties, there was a conspiracy that in the Reagan administration, there were legit Nazis in the in the Reagan administration, and they wanted to defeat the Soviets. But they all changed their assumed name to like a you know, change, went under an assumed name to like Americanized names because they wanted to destroy the Soviets and try to get the Spear of Destiny. But some of those episodes are even like there's an episode in the third season about trying to think burning. Like, I think it's another serial killer episode or it's another cult episode, but it's a guy that's pretty much burning bodies until there's nothing left but bones. But a lot of their conspiracies in these shows are tamed now compared to the nonsense going on online. I'm sure Disney's going to ruin it because Disney finds a way now to ruin everything. But if they don't and like modernize it with like some of these now, you know, like the whole QAnon shit where some of the stuff is like will make your head spin. Like I'd be, I mean, I can't imagine Disney would do it, but no, I mean, no, because like it's like there's so fringe now that the stuff that the '90s X Files and Millennium conspiracies are almost tame by comparison. Or, you know, talking about you know, uh, well, stuff that I can't talk about here right now. But I think the thing, the, the other thing too is like the X Files and Millennium. I mean, it's just like. I feel like it'd be really hard to nowadays, like, like what they did in those shows, you know, is like talking about the conspiracies of the time, right? You know, it's like, and um, and that was like a popular thing. Like people were were into like talking about conspiracies and stuff in a way. And nowadays, it's it's like definitely like become people are in, into conspiracies. Like, have gotten like so like you know out there that i feel like um it's become more disreputable even than it was in the 90s to be conspiracy stuff but but at the same time a lot of this night the conspiracies that were in the 90s they see in the millennium and stuff i mean a lot of that is just like part of pop culture now you know it's just like part of like yeah you know just part of people's a lot of people even believe them and stuff you know so it's like uh yeah, like there's an episode about the Merovingian line and you know the Holy Blood, Holy Grail, Da Vinci Code conspiracy in Millennium. That's pretty much kind of accepted, or at least it's not as nutty as you know, a 
like the QAnon shit that's online now, or like, yeah, yeah, it's like a whole different different class of uh, of conspiracy and. Yeah, I mean, personally, I think that if Disney's going to do X Files, they're going to fuck it up. Like, just they uh, probably. It's just, uh, I mean, Disney can't do anything right right now. You know, like they just fuck up everything. So, no. they they have they've they're not in a very good place right now. I mean, so. <laughs> no, well, you know, it's funny because, I mean, we're getting a little off topic here, but Disney, like, we're as somebody that has worked on Disney sets or jobs that are now umbrella in the Disney sets, i.e. American Horror Story, which we're definitely talking about in our third part because I don't think we're going to get to all the great satanic, satanic, cinematic good glory of the 21st century in the next nope. five Yeah, no, we're going to... There'll be a part three. There'll be the last 20 years, so... But Disney's philosophy recently is just to throw more money at people and it'll make a good product, but Sometimes, like with like, if you make a three hundred billion dollar movie, it's going to need to make over a billion worldwide, and it may didn't even make that. So I don't think I've told you about movie budgeting, but or if you know about it, yeah, but it, like it needs to make three times the amount it costs for it to be deemed financially successful because it goes, you know, paying you know residuals for actors and and you know uh, breaking even with all the post equipment and rentals and, you know, a bunch of other stuff and licensing, yada, yada, yada. So, and I know too, that like generally the, the budget that they reveal is not the full budget because it doesn't include advertising either. So, you know, if you got got a movie like with the new Indiana Jones, that was $300 million or whatever. Um, probably there was a hundred million, 150 million on top of that for advertising, you know, like, and, no, they're definitely they're definitely ones. <clears throat> and so, and the movie, I don't think it didn't even make a hundred. Like, what what that movie make like one hundred eighty thousand or something? <laughs> you know, under hundred hundred eighty million. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, that was actually kind of funny because I was like terrified Disney was gonna you know do what Disney does and ruin it. I actually like the new Indiana Jones movie, but I mean, there's some there's a funny. I'll tell you about it later, but I can see why it didn't do well because they didn't use it as a vehicle like they do with star wars or half their other crap they do or even like the stuff they're doing with marvel like the marvel movies are are finally going to tank and you know up because it hasn't happened yet like no you know we used to make there used to be like thousands of film noirs and thousands of, of westerns in the 30s through like the 50s now not so often or like musicals same thing that's going to happen and that's happening with the superhero genre and it's going to only get worse yeah and then i hope it doesn't carry on with millennium or if they ever i mean do you think they should do another version of millennium no no just leave Mm. it as is because you know the only episode of millennium i don't think i like is the x-files episode that's supposed to be the millennium epilogue like with the zombies and stuff i don't think it's very good and it's the only millennium episode i don't like i actually think every episode is very good i think the only way you could do millennium again is bring lon tendrickson like i don't want to see a reboot where it's just like some completely new person or something i mean i don't know uh-huh. i mean i just like i mean you could probably if 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 you were going to do millennium again it would need to be like for hbo or something where they could push it even further yeah. You know, like, 
in my opinion. I just don't, I don't want to see like Disney do some Disneyfied version of fucking Millennium. Like in my opinion, the only way to to bring Millennium back, even if a new actor or something like that, would be to to push it further than the original show was able to, you know, and make it even darker and even more seedy and sketchy and you know what i mean like i feel like that's the way to go for millennium if you're going to bring it back you know exactly well the funny thing is and why i think that show was ahead of its time and underrated that's the reason why it didn't do well was apparently a lot of people were surprised how dark it was and how violent it was for its time and they thought it was going to be i mean the x-files has episodes that are pretty dark too but millennium is definitely quite a few shades darker it's very why it's very dour and it has a kind of it's kind of a weird lingering melancholy to the show as well like all the episodes yeah. have this like kind of heavy melancholy to them. You know what I mean? Right. Oh man. Now I'm gonna have to crank up my my DVDs again because I have them somewhere right in front of me. Yeah, I managed to get um, all of them at a store near me for like five bucks each, like each season. So mm-hmm. I was like. I was like, oh yeah, I gotta get this because there's the only way you can watch it right now. You can't watch it in any other way. So, I'm surprised because there was a petition to get it online, even with from Lance Henriksen. Uh, speaking of other famous '90s anthology-ish shows, uh, I think this is the last one we'll talk about because it could just even be a few sentences, or if not, Tales from the Crypt, Demon I Satanic, Yay, Nay, Eh, kind of, yeah. I mean, kind it, of. It's, it's probably the. It's like a. Definitely a cartoon, but it, yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot. It's kind of it's satanic. I mean, it's it's uh, just demons, and you know, like he's from hell. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I definitely think it's it's on that verge. You know, I mean, it maybe is a little bit closer to like an Evil Dead or something in a way, but it definitely yeah, it doesn't. But it doesn't really have the Lovecraftian stuff. It does have the whole idea of like in Demon Knight as like the whole mythology behind it of like the demons like want to destroy everything and right. it definitely definitely has a kind of anti-cosmic quality to it in a way. You know what I mean? With like I the... was just looking to see if that was on streaming. It's not because even, you know, I kind of wanted to bring up like the tales from the crypt or the tales from the dark side movie. Well, tales from the crypt series or the tales from the dark side movie, but the tales from the dark side movie. That doesn't have any I, satanic stuff movie. in it. Yeah, there's no satanic stuff in it, and then I thought I was been rewatching a lot of the Tales from the Crypt episodes, which I now think this is the second time we've mentioned this, or I've mentioned it, but I don't remember any of the episodes being satanic, even though I love that show. Like it's mostly, you know, it's kind of no, there's no satanic episodes of Tales from the Crypt, really, right? No, unless I haven't seen them. None that I can think of. I mean, I. I haven't seen every single episode, right? And I mean, there's podcasts I listen to that goes through every episode, but uh, and I'm like halfway through that. But I mean, um, so I listen to it off and on. Uh, but so no, far, I no, I don't think I don't think there's any like our. There might be there might be one where the devil's in it or something, but I don't I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't think that dude. I'm going off the top of my head because that was. No, we've de- this is definitely retreading the same ground. Do that you, was a show watch censored. Do you think um what about Spawn? Is that you think Oh dude, Spawn. Well that's funny. Spawn, have you you've seen the cartoon, right? Yeah, the cartoon HBO did. The cartoon is my favorite superhero cartoon ever, and it's another one. Like if I could get like if I could mm, 
like if I could summon a djinn or the devil himself to give me three wishes, I would love to. But in addition to selling all of my secret ideas, if I could do, you know, do my Hellraiser video game, I would love to do Spawn because I think Spawn is is such a missed opportunity for a really dark satanic storyline and a really and like it could pretty much be like Goethe's Faust in New York City. Yeah. But that of I mean the only thing that they've really done that is with the show which as I'm sure we've talked about is like all the former animators of Batman the animated series and former directors that, that left Fox wanted to do shit they couldn't do on Batman the animated series and and Todd McFarlane wanted to do stuff that wasn't for kids because he didn't like the movie. So they made the Spawn show dark as hell. Yeah. The Spawn show is basically like the, the comic book brought to life, you know? So it's like, and uh, yeah, it's an amazing show. I've been meaning to pick up, pick up, pick it up again and, uh, and watch it because I haven't seen it in a long time. But I mean, it's an amazing, amazing cartoon. And yeah, and obviously the movie. I mean, I saw the movie when I was when it came out as a kid, and so bad. I haven't seen it since then. But uh, yeah, really bad, yeah, That's I don't remember being very good. Cartoon is that a lot of like the first season is the best one, and it's also like there's parts of it of like the first and the third season, or even the second season. My favorite episode is actually oof, but that were storylines Todd wanted to do with the comic book, but they were too dark. So there are like a lot of elements from the first story or like from the, the classic comics, but they're streamlined. So they make a lot more sense because they had the HBO writers write it. And they're really, really, really dark. Like the second season has an episode where like there's this like gang that comes to Rat City and they're all decked out like priests but they all have, they're all, and they're all giving Bibles out, but there's heroin in these Bibles. And they all have inverted crosses and pentagrams and the Simon Necronomicon pentagram. It's really, really cool and it's really dark. And then there's an episode, it's one of my favorite episodes for the episode after that. There's the second season actually isn't very good, but there's two episodes in it that are very good. It's that one. And then the one where, a serial killer that apparently used to be a Klansman comes to New York City and he starts killing minorities and he starts and he starts communicating with Spawn and and in the episode and then in the canon of the Spawn cartoon, the children of hell speak through telepathy and there's a lot of really 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 scary scenes with the serial killer and Spawn and him and him speaking to Mount Bolgia when he's in a bar but he's everyone thinks he's talking to himself that I think that used to really freak me out. And that's saying a lot because there's a lot of shit that doesn't scare me. And then whenever he kills, he kills someone. He always says, I'm sorry, believe me. I know it's not your fault. Just know I can't be any other way. <laughs> yeah. I need to, I really need to rewatch the spawn show. Like it's definitely something. I think I bought the DVDs. I got double checks. It's on HBO Max or Max if you have that because it's I think it's also free on Prime and I do I do I have Max so yeah I forgot yeah it's an HBO show so it's probably on Max so yeah after I need to sit down and watch them yeah the um one thing I always really loved um 
was medieval spawn dark ages spawn i always yeah, i got those when i was a kid really cool. yeah i always got the comics that was like my favorite spawn comic when i was a kid it's it's i'd like to i've been meaning to get the omnibus as the whole thing i wish they would have done like a car, cartoon version of that as well because it's such a cool well, like, they were dark world to. but then like they ended the third season on a cliffhanger and todd has wanted to bring it back for many years but i used to he they McFarland boys had a factory in New Jersey, so I've met him a few times, and he's given, uh, with one of my old friends' dads. He was good friends with Todd McFarland, so I would get a lot of the Clyde Barker, Todd McFarland toys for free and other stuff. But and I would talk to him, like, when are you going to do the cartoon? It scared the crap out of me. I thought it was Batman the Animated Series, and the first thing you see, Spawn burn a guy alive and tits and ass <laughs> and a bunch of other shit that I thought was... You know, Batman the Animated Series Gargoyles. It gave me nightmares for weeks. <laughs> but there's a lot of shit than other stuff that I think is a pro- one of the many problems with, I mean, just McFarlane. And you can tell that it's a show and Spawn is something that I think really needs a good writer. Like, Clown goes from being in the first season like his Mephisto. And, you know, he's kind and he's trying to get him to do Hell's Bidding. But then, and same with the comic book. But as the show goes on, He's non-existent. He should have always been trying to get, you know, Spawn to do Hell's Bidding, and he just disappears. And I just think that's a flaw of crappy writing. There's a bunch of other problems with that. And I'm like, just give it a good writer. Like Batman was shitty for like 50 years, and then when Frank Miller got it, and Grant Morrison got it, and then a bunch of, and then Alan Grant got it. They actually made and Dennis O'Neill pre all of them. They made Batman brilliant, and he's been brilliant since. They need somebody to do that with Spawn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Batman got great in the late seventies, you know, and you got all those, you know, Nick Dennis and Neil and all those kind of guys writing and stayed pretty. I mean, stayed pretty good to this day. I mean, and it's like, yeah, you yeah. still get some good writers, yeah. Um, but it's definitely uh, like same with Hellraiser. Same problems, like, like you've never read any of the Hellraiser nineties comics, right? They're awful. No, I I know that the Boom ones are not too bad, but I haven't. Um, Both ones are good, but yeah. But yeah, the '90s ones I never read. The ones that actually have Clive's involvement that weren't Marvel or whatever Marvel's subsidiary are, like that has the Philippe Lamarchand origin, and like other ones that were actually authorized by him are really good. But a lot of the times, if he wasn't involved with it, they like the later Hellraiser movies. They just slap Clive's name on it just to sell things. He literally had nothing to do with it. Yeah, and then so, I mean, Spawn Todd did. He's just, unfortunately, I don't think he's the best writer. And I just don't think he probably, like a lot of modern stories, I don't think they had where the story was going in mind. And you can kind of tell even with the show, like it's a lot better than the comic book is. But you can definitely tell that, I mean, it ends on a cliffhanger because that's how the comic at that time ended. And it's really shitty. Well, the comic ends a few times and it gets rebooted a lot. And there's a bunch of stuff that I think is brilliant had they actually... I think, I think the comic, the first hundred issues are, are pretty good. And after that, yeah. it, it gets pretty hit or miss, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like if anybody wanted to get into Spawn, the comics, I'd just tell them to get like the first omnibus that has, like, you know, or something like that. that has like, just get the first hundred issues. You don't really need to read after that, really. You know? <laughs> There's a storyline called Spawn the New Flesh where it's the guy that's currently writing a comic book called Philadelphia, And it's the same, I think, writing team and the same artist. And it's 
like a soft reboot of Spawn. And it's it's one of the few Spawn comic books that I'm like, all right, so somebody, I I have it in my parents' house. I'm like, okay, somebody actually understands. Spawn is a really dark character. I'm like, he's from hell. How can he make them be all fart jokes and stuff where, where like other stuff that some of the later McFarlane comics do where I'm like, he's from hell. Like he should be fighting like eviscerating angels with chains and trying to figure and and then trying to figure out that he's trying to do good, even though he's a demon and he's supposed to be the spawn in Mal Bulge's army and a bunch of other shit. I love spawn. I mean, you can like, so I'm getting off. He's probably my favorite non superhero besides Batman and Swamp Thing and the Punisher. Yeah, me too. You know, all the, those guys, Hellblazer, is all my shit. And, uh, yeah, Hellblazer is good too. I've, I've been get, but... Yeah, I've been getting the new King Spawn series. Is it good? Pretty good so far, yeah. I like it. Okay. As, as nice because Image keeps their prices reasonable. Like, they're only $3 an issue, and which is real nice. And uh, have... it's funny because Image is like, it's like three dollars an issue, and the it's actually better quality paper and and covers and stuff than even like the DC stuff that's charging like five dollars an issue. You know what I mean? It's pretty funny. Yeah, we've been doing that for a while because even like, unfortunately, with a year as shitty as this, I've kind of been like forced to not buy as many comics. But a lot of the things that I've been enjoying lately have been Image, yeah, like Philadelphia, Nailbiter. I haven't picked up King Spawn yet, unfortunately. I've been meaning to because I love Spawn, as you can obviously tell. Yeah, um, definitely recommend to... checking out. But um, we're gonna have to close out here in a minute because it's almost eleven now. So, all right. Well, I have age-old ideas about honor, Mister Hakara, and life or die stuff like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> an eye for an eye. But yeah, so we'll be doing a, a third episode with Satanic Cinema from the 2000s on to now. So that'll be our next episode. Oh boy. Oh boy. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. <laughs> <laughs>